Hello. Welcome to your podcast. Oh, perfect. To yeah. My own, yeah. Our own podcast. <laughs> well, welcome to uh, Late Night. I'm Leighton Gray. That other one's Brian Wecht. And then we I'm have Brian. Yeah, I'm Brian Wecht. That's, that's Brian. Um, uh, and we have our special guest today who I think we, we decided to start letting the guests introduce themselves however they'd like to be introduced. So special guest. Great. Hi, I'm special guest. Uh, my name is Will Wiesenfeld. I am a musician by trade. My artist name is Baths Music or Geotic. Uh, that's B-A-T-H-S. G-E-O-T-I-C. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram under Baths Music, all is one word. And I also podcast with my brother, and we have a podcast called 2.0, and it's very dumb, and I can explain it later. <laughs> cool. Wonderful. What's the name of the... Oh, sorry, 2.0. Two, yes. That's the name 2. of the podcast, 2.0. Yes. You, you totally nailed that intro. Like, that was perfect. That was way better than we would be able to do. I think I've fucked up every <laughs> guest introduction that I've tried to do. Um, so there we go. No sweat. Did it. I'm, I'm happy, happy to, happy to nail it down. Yeah. So, um, today we are recording via Skype from our separate homes. Uh, so apologies if audio is weird or you hear cars or, uh, my dog mm. skittering around in the background. Uh, that's just kind of how it has to be right now. Is this the first quarantine episode of your podcast? Yes. Uh, yeah, we we did one mm. last last week with Ali well, from mm. uh, Game Grumps, but that was done together. Mm. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, us, I'm, uh, us gently I'm mentioned. <laughs> us gently mentioning <laughs> me like, oh yeah, that coronavirus thing, and then now it's just like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Welcome yeah. to exponentials. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm trying to, maybe we just get bummer shit out of the way first and then not talk about it for the rest of the time. You know what, time. here, uh, I'm going to make a suggestion. Let's go just go it. around. I, let's just say the word Corona once each, and then we never have to talk about it again for <laughs> however long we go. So I'll start. Corona. Now I'm done talking about it. Corona. Corona. Ooh, we said it at the same time. Shit. Extra energy. That's okay. That's, That's good. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, yeah, I, I guess the last I'll say is uh, everybody, please stay safe. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Everything everyone's yelling at you to do, it's going to be okay. So, gosh, it's really weird recording this without people in the room. Um, I know. Hmm. We can't. It's hard to get the vibe. And we have video off, too. So I can't tell what anyone, <laughs> like, any mood beyond just audio mood is not coming through. You know, f mm. fuck. Skype, like, do you guys have ham radios? We could we could tune in on the ham radios. <laughs> that might be kind of did, fun. Did you ever hear the old thing about how Marlon Brando used to ham radio from his private island, and occasionally, if you like, you know, were doing it at just the right time, you could catch Marlon Brando on the ham radio, just like fucking broadcasting Ooh. from his own little deal in the seventies. <laughs> Drunk oh as God. shit. Is that the f is that the first? podcast <laughs> oh wow maybe yeah <laughs> yeah i feel Just like marlon brando drunk on an island <laughs> well i think there i think we have I our episode title a podcast named desire mm. we get these He's very so quickly and that one's safe for work this time yes mm. if we unless we come up with something better which is not safe for work which will happen which happens also <laughs> every single time distant ancient blowjobs rest in peace <laughs> 
Yeah, well, we began the last episode by spending like 10 minutes talking about if you could lactate any non-liquid, what would you choose? And I guess now I'm posing this question to you. <laughs> Yo, uh, I literally like am afraid to answer that because <laughs> I, I'm like a deeply sexual person in a proud way. I'm open about it. I'm, I talk about it all the time. And if you're just talking about like using that in a sexual way it can go in a lot of different directions so i feel like it's safer not to answer and let you use your imagination wow that's such Great. a res respectable answer yeah <laughs> we, i mean brian said one for shampoo and the other for conditioner <laughs> and i think i said garlic also paste. fair <laughs> i just like i'm a person who like in in dudes like a thing that attracts me is like a like a big chest that's like a thing yeah so i've spent more time thinking like, about this than is safe like a like a muscular chest or just a yes. big chest in any okay got it i mean kind of in any capacity so i i can recontextualize the idea of, of lactating into too many things oh yeah god what a wonderful perspective. I, I've been meaning to ask you, Will, who, who's your latest, like, big-chested hunk? Uh, I have not, I've been trying to not look at my main Twitter too much, um, so I've been missing out <clears> on <throat> quality tweets. Well, in, there's, I always have two answers at any given time where I have one that's animated and one that's a real person. Because oh, I'm like, I run through, I run through obsessions kind of constantly. Of course. My animated, animated one right now is Milo from the new Pokemon game, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, and that there is a short form animated series that's not the proper Pokemon anime that will be coming to the States at some point. But it's this series called uh, Twilight Wings, which are like six or seven minute episodes on YouTube. And the third one features him kind of heavily. And he's just like a gentle farmer hunk. He's like thick as hell for pretty much no reason. It's just like almost fan service. It's incredible. And he's like very kind and handsome and caring and all the things you want out of like a out of out a of a hunk, lar large chested hunk. man. Yes. And so that's my dude animated. And then my real crush right now is this long-running crush I've had for a long time on this guy, uh, Lee Sung Chul, who's a Korean bodybuilder. And his his Instagram, I think, is bodybuilderchul, C-H-U-L. And he's big as hell and super, like, mellow. Like, he has none of the kind of, like, overbearing or intense attitude that you kind of associate with bodybuilders. He's just, like mellow and focused and posts a lot of cute shit with his girlfriend and when they're cooking and like hanging out with their cat and their dog oh my god yeah, this, it's just this man's like, back holy shit i know wait wait <laughs> sorry, it's a dreamscape tell me the handle the tell me the instagram handle again it's a uh, bodybuilder chul which is c-h-u-l this is like and he's just a, a the kind most recent beast. thing is he's holding his cat just tenderly with that big beefy arm the size of my head yes Oh, and he cooks. My dude. Shit. Yes, he has a he has a, I think like a beef line. Like he he. Uh, he either deeply promotes it or it's like he owns it. Wait, is but it seriously called Meat, meat Brothers? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, look at this dude working out with his mask on. That's awesome. Yes, he's oh. the dude. 
Oh my gosh, I love the, the him. food he posts looks delicious. Ooh, what is that? I know. Oh, it's I like have no a little. Idea, but he 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 like travels a bit for what he does and his workout stuff. But he's mostly based in in South Korea. I forget what city, but um, but yeah, it's just great. And he's fun to follow because he's always posting. There's always something going on. Always new content. Always new. That's content. great. Are this there other? Looks um... insane. I mean, look at this dude. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's one of those things I where I don't even understand how it. people look like that. I know, I know. That's what's so fun about it is you can just be like, wow. <laughs> it's like this is this wow. is a real person who's do- doing yeah. their shit. Are there other um yeah. maybe not necessarily like thirst follows, but there are other are there other like Twitter or Instagram accounts that are like uh giving giving you a little bit of serotonin in these trying times? Yes, there's one that's... Uh, <laughs> you are ready to go. Th- yes. I mean, I, I, I'm always thinking about things, if that makes any sense. I always have stuff on my brain. Uh, the other one that is, it's a little more brutal and a little more intense to swallow, but I think she's one of the most brilliant artists working right now. She's a painter and illustrator, uh, a, I believe Polish, and her name is Alexandra... Walizuska, I think, and it, so it's a tough spelling, but the I'll spell it out the best I can. Her handle is A L E K S A N D R A, so that's Alexandra, and W A L I S Z E W S K A, and her her great. art is wild, and it looks very funny from the surface, a lot of it. But the longer you look at a lot of her work, the the more unnerving it gets there's some really dark ones really fucked up spooky ones but these are gorgeous it's all all great uh oh yeah these are delightful thank you yeah yeah and she posts a ton (laughs) yeah it's very like horror oriented uh but Mm -hmm. also like thought provoking (laughs) yeah it's it's worth noting um love her stuff will is like a good horror buddy for me which i cherish every time i discover somebody's really into horror uh we went and saw hereditary together when it came out and i went into that (sighs) totally blind (laughs) and just like both of us clutching each other's hands yeah Um, it was a lot at the end of it like when we were leaving the theater it was a lot of like i really need to like breathe like is it okay if we (laughs) hang out here for a little bit and just talk (laughs) Yeah, and then, wait, did we see Midsommar together, too? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I then we were so. outside, and that guy wandered up, like, did you guys just, just like, come are out you guys Midsommar? okay? Like- <laughs> <laughs> just, like, this is the outside support group. <laughs> yeah. Brian, are you a horror person at all? I'm, I like, so I can't handle gore in movies. If it's, mm. like, too violent, and it does, if it seems real, yeah, I I I can't watch it. Like it just upsets me too much. But I love I, suspenseful, you know, thriller kind of movies. So now I, it would be unfair to say I was a horror guy. But uh, yes, it, let, let me put it this way: I love a horror movie where no one gets injured. That I can deal with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually closer to your tip of things than it than maybe it might seem. That that's kind of my speed, but my. My metric is we- is a little flipped. It's a little weird that like I can handle gore and violence even when it's really intense when it's contextual to like an excellent story. Mm-hmm. Like when I very much care about what's happening, I will work through it and I can deal with it. But when it's kind of like caricature or like 
joke violence or it's kind of like taken out of context, it that makes me sick. Like that makes me uncomfortable and it starts to feel like like I don't I I can't explain it. Like violence for the sake of so violence can, or something. Like, like like really gratuitous like Yes, exactly. Like, can you handle like Evil Dead style kind of comedy violence? Or is that too much? Evil Dead is the furthest I can go. Mm. But I couldn't watch um, Dead Alive, I think is what it was called. Oh, my God. Oh, I yeah. watched that. Peter Jackson one. Like, I started watching that movie, and it made me violently ill. That one I can watch. That I have no problem with. I think it's great. Uh. Like, I haven't <laughs> seen it for 20 years, and I remember loving it in college, yeah. along with... Uh, uh, bad taste. That other, like the first Peter oh, Jackson yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember. Yeah. Where they're like super hokey on purpose, and that's yeah. the stuff that somehow gets to me so much more. Like that, I can't watch. But I, but like really intense horror, I can get really into. And the other thing I'll say is that for both Hereditary, Hereditary, and Midsommar, for how much I loved them, I tell people like my constant review of them is that I loved them, and I will never see them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's like where I sit with them. <laughs> fair and just take. I was um on a flight to Australia last year after Hereditary came out, and they had it on the little you know uh, <laughs> uh, screens, and I was seated with this like very sweet normie oh, no. couple who oh, were like wait. holding hands oh, the whole time, and they were watching like <laughs> it wasn't Ninety Day Fiance, but it was something in that zone or like some sort of like yeah, soapy yeah. show, and I was sitting there watching Hereditary and fucking rewinding it and giggling to myself because I was so <laughs> delighted by it. I was like slowly going crazy on this eighteen-hour flight. <laughs> um, did it they, was great. They did, loved it. Did they notice you watching it at all? They didn't say shit, but uh, I'm I'm sure they looked over like. Oh boy! <laughs> you projected you projected a spirit about it. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was a really beautiful time. And then I think I I went and saw the Midsummer director's cut, which was also great. Yeah, I saw that, or I didn't see that. I we had talked about it, and you recommend I I see it, but I still oh, haven't. Yeah, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, but th- I think we were talking about this uh, a couple of episodes ago of like that cartoonish, like comedy violence can be really hard to parse. Uh, cause it's sort of like what yeah. you're saying too, with like, if it serves the story, it's like, oh yeah, this scans. And then otherwise it's, uh, I've, I've heard you say about like Ichi the killer and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, this is pointless. Yeah. I hate that movie. I I've actively hate I have that movie. Not <laughs> gone into it mainly on your, uh, <laughs> anti recommendation. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, oh my God. And speaking Brian, of Brian, don't see that movie. Okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In general, like any sort of Takashi Miike. That, that's Miike, right? Yeah. yeah um, that, audition, though. Weirdly, like audition. Audition is great. Loved. Yeah. No, um, but good, definitely <laughs> not going to see that. I, like, I, I certainly have a list of directors I know enough to avoid, and Miike yeah. is right up there. Yeah. It's like the har- most hardcore of the hardcore. Brian, who else is on the avoid list? Oh, uh, well, Ari Aster, um, like, uh, let's see who else is on that list. Like probably like French extreme stuff would probably be Argento. Yeah. Like that's too much for me. Oh yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. uh, Um, but I'm still, I'm still so, I'm so on your like territory of things, Brian, that I'm so much more excited by like a really, really great thriller that doesn't need violence to get its intensity or ferocity across you know what i Absolutely. mean like where it's yep. just all 100%. in how it's executed yeah um that's my uh, shit. another well, name that's... like e- eli roth I-, I won't touch an eli roth 
Oh, well, fuck right, Eli Roth, word. though. Well, <laughs> You're like, not missing I, out I understand there are a variety of reasons for that, but that mm. whole torture porn kind of uh, era, yeah. I was very out for from the start. That that yeah, post nine yeah, eleven, so. post Abu Ghraib, uh, just kind of uh, synthesizing that into the torture porn subgenre. Yep. Um, yeah. Is, no good. Speaking of which, if I, I guess I'll say this now, there's no point in like keeping it being cagey about it. But um, I'm working on a like sub series for Late Night that's about uh, the history of horror uh, in various different subgenres. So the first episode is about the history of found footage uh, pre Blair Witch because there's about a hundred years of history leading up to that and how things uh, evolved past that. And so that's... Oh my God, that's amazing. I'm so excited about it. I'm almost done with the script um, and it should be really cool and fun because I think it's, it's, it's a bunch of really fascinating stories and then I want to hit other subgenres and issues later. Um, so that'll be called Deep Cuts. Be on the lookout for Deep Cuts. That's it'll gonna be, be awesome. Sweet. At some point. That's a great name too. You thank guys are very you. good at titles. Well, thank you. Like we, you know, <laughs> we're both professionals. <laughs> Uh, the, I, I was just we, looking, we work hard. looking at the at the email. So you put together a Google Doc of what. So on this episode, we asked people to give us uh, stuff like genres to recommend to them while they're holed up in uh, social distancing mode. Oh, perfect! And the perfect. first one on this list is indeed non jump scare slash gore psychological horror. Okay, it's before like we jump into the recommendations. We also got a follow-up email. Um, so, Will, on this show, we've been doing, like, advice segments where we give a topic and people email us. Um, so this is mm. a follow-up from someone whose question that we answered uh, a little while ago. So I'm just going to read that email. Wow, Brian and Layton, I am the girl who asked about awkward lengths of time to get back to someone. The one with the four-year wait. I want to thank you for your advice that if something takes less than two minutes, it should be done immediately. Basically, thank you for inspiring me to reach out with the simple headline of, I was thinking about you. How have you been? Life has improved and the weight on my heart is diminished. Peaches. Uh, which there's there's more nice. very nice stuff in that email, but I, I'm going to keep that to myself. Uh, I love <laughs> I love the integration of just saying peaches. That's wonderful. Can we make that a thing? Peaches. <laughs> yes, peaches. absolutely. I, I, anyway, um, we have not yet gotten Southern. an email, I and it. I know one's going to come soon. Of like, hey, I tried your advice, and now I'm like living in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> uh, My life I, is ruined. I, I am, yeah, I'm very <laughs> curious how, if any of this stuff like is actively bad. I'm sure we've given bad advice. I mean, we're only seven episodes in, and I'm sure we've and we're also like, both stupid. Someone. <laughs> Yeah, like <laughs> we're not experts in literally anything we're talking about. Uh, we, we we had Anthony Carboni come on uh, as our second to last guest, uh, and he mm. he like whipped out that good advice like so fast. I was like, oh, we're, he was amazing. Oh shit, oh, yeah. we're we're really bad at giving advice. This dude's on it. <laughs> I love. Yeah, it. we we were oh talking early on, like if we didn't want to give out dating advice since. I've been married for 13 years yeah. and I feel totally unqualified to, to say anything. And Leighton, what was your excuse? Um, I can only describe every single romantic encounter I've had as a train wreck. So it's, <laughs> it, it's good. Um, and I figured, and I was like, Oh, we're having Will on who like, I was thinking about how like you were probably the most like dating, like sex versed person I'm, I know. Um, I was going to say like, I'm qualified not for dating advice, but absolutely for like, sex advice in like a in the what's the word in like a 
casual recreational capacity. Awesome. Like, especially for gay men. Like, if anybody needs advice for, like, how to make things work or what's good or what's bad or what do I do in this situation. Because I've pretty much been in every situation multiple times in a way that, like, I know what works and what doesn't and what is, like, polite. Like, what's good form and what isn't. So, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying, like, I'm an open book and you can hit me up all the time. But like, <laughs> if you're really, really pressed about something, hit me up on Twitter and be like, Hey, I listened to that episode of late night and I'm curious about a thing. Can I DM you? And well, we can, can you, can you, can you just to tease it a little bit? Can you give one like very general piece of advice? Like something a- aimed at yes. gay men that you think people should just know in general. Yes. If you are a gay person and you go to a bathhouse, you should not walk fast. Everybody moves fast when they're nervous and it's their first time. The whole point is you're trying to show yourself off. And the slower you, you move, the more opportunity you give to kind of like present yourself or start a conversation or start touching the other person and all that sort of stuff. So don't walk quickly in a bathhouse. That's yeah, very concise. That's, I love that's it. That's so perfectly <laughs> observed. Like, what a wonderful <laughs> snippet of advice. Yep. Like, let's get there you on is. a future future podcast <laughs> and just do that because I would listen the, to I'm the full fuck of out it. of that. There, there's, there's this compliment I've gotten from more than one person that has made me excited enough to maybe think about doing it. Um, but several people without prompting and without giving any context had said that I should like attempt writing a book about bathhouses. Yes. Oh, so that would be awesome. With them. And that it's like, the whole thing is it's like a culture that especially with gay men, they think is disgusting or has died out or doesn't exist. There's just so many gay dudes who almost think it's like beneath them. And I am like a champion of them. They are like <laughs> so much a part of gay culture in my own life that I I literally don't know what I would do without them. And so I would love to talk about them for pages and pages and pages and pages. That, so that sounds amazing. For listeners, for listeners who yeah. are unfamiliar with like the concept of a bathhouse, can you explain what that is? Sure. It's basically like it's it's how do I explain it? It's basically like a meeting place for gay men to cruise in like a safe environment. The whole thing with cruising, meaning like looking for sex in kind of a public setting, is that you're in a public setting. So it can be really nerve wracking and illegal sometimes if you're trying to like hook up in a public place, it's not good. Whereas a bathhouse is like a paid entry fee and you get a locker or a room and it becomes a space where you can cruise for sex or for literally anything like conversation or just taking a jacuzzi dip like you're not required to do anything which is the magic of a bathhouse there are literally times i've gone where like i went to use the facilities and hang out and like look at hot dudes and then leave it's like the best thing ever so it's just a place to be like a sexually uh, available gay person if that makes sense yeah, that's and that's awesome. amazing. And, I think and, it, there, there's something yeah. with the level of like the internet is a really amazing place to meet other queer people and kind of band together, especially for people who are like geographically isolated or don't have those kinds of yes. com- communities, IRL. But if you have, yeah. if you're a queer and you have the access points or like availability of meeting other queer people in real life, please do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is yeah. really, really, really important and really, really, really healing and like 
you know, when I was yeah. living in Savannah, Georgia, which had like a really active uh, queer scene where everybody knew each other. We would go to like uh, poetry readings that were just like so oh, special and magical where it's like people reading these poems that they wrote about each other that are really powerful in somebody's living room where there's a stripper pole and like everybody's crying. <laughs> it, I love it. It's so beautiful and like you carry those experiences with you, you know, like it's so validating mm -hmm. and it makes you feel so whole and like connected and seen. So yeah, that yes. that's my hot tip. Go Go hang out with queer people IRL. <laughs> Yeah, I feel awesome. like every queer person I talk to in life in any context, we're always like, we should meet more queer people and hang out with more queer people. Yeah, I feel like, especially lately, it can feel very estranged. So that's why being online is very helpful. Well, yeah, I mean, now, like, you're not supposed to hang out with literally anybody, right? Like, I know. Just queer, <laughs> so maybe straight, don't whatever. do that right like, now. Just don't hang out with anybody. Stay home. Yeah. Also, yeah, to be very clear, do not go to a bathhouse right now. <laughs> Please, God, do not go to a bathhouse right now. Yeah, don't try to find a way maybe to support them in other ways. But, oh, my God, do not go to a bathhouse. Don't right do now. any of the things we just told you to do until things are yeah. chill. Don't know when until... that's going to be. Also, sorry if you hear my dog sliding her hunk of cheese around on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> She, I give her, anybody with dogs, uh, gotta recommend um, Himalayan yak cheese chews. Those are like, you know, you don't want to give your dog rawhide. You don't want to give them anything that's going to make him sick. Wait, wait. And you also don't want to give them Himalayan something that they're going to eat. yak cheese? Yes. It's like a hard cheese stick. Um, and it, it's like so great because they last forever, even if you have wow. like a tough chewer. So you don't have to like keep buying them and you don't have to worry about them eating the whole thing and getting sick. Um, mm. but anyway, maybe loses her fucking mind for those. Like she, she is just like playing with it right now on the floor behind me. Um, she's going to have wow. beautiful teeth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then it, it like, it, and then when you get down to the little nubbin at the end, you can microwave it and it puffs up. So it's like a crunchy treat. Whoa. How does that work? No fucking idea. That's just science. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, um, do we want to jump into the recommendation stuff? Yeah. Oh, why don't we circle so, back to the thing we were just talking about before, which was the the non jump scare, basically the kind of horror I like, which is uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, non gross yeah. horror, so not gory, and the thing that I mean I, I'm on this side too, w without jump scares. Yeah, so this was the the most requested question, um, along with fucked up documentaries, which we'll get to, uh, mm. and it's it's one that's like. I'm so glad that that's the most requested thing. Like that makes me really mm -hmm. glad. Um, those are those are good things for right now. I think of just sort of expending some nervous energy on having like a cathartic release of watching something and you know things being resolved in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, should I start? Yeah, I have go for one it. in mind, like right away. I mean, like recently, uh, The Outsider on HBO just finished, and I feel like that kind of fits the bill. That it's like it's a very it's kind of slow moving and uh suspenseful but it's like it's it's intentionally not a jump scare thing it's kind of about like foreboding energy and misunderstanding and like atmosphere it's yeah atmospheric and all this stuff and i there are people who didn't like it but it's just so my style of shit where it's like uh what's the word i'm looking for supernatural but without like beating you over the head about it it's very very based in a realistic world and a realistic characters so it's cool. it's i don't know it's a very satisfying watch for me and i think it's only eight episodes and is that Did you, um, is that one season of it or is that the whole thing 
it's it's very funny because HBO says like season finale on the last episode, but it is the whole thing. I don't know why they say like they don't say series finale because yeah. there's no way there's a season two. But yeah, absolutely not. Um, I watched the first three episodes and then I dipped out because the writing was like a little too much for me. <laughs> it, it, uh, I'm an obnoxious writer now and like bad writing just gets me so hard. Um, I was really frustrated with how they were yeah. writing Holly who like is a great character and I she love... She gets better. Okay, good. She gets yeah. much better. That's the thing is that when she first appeared, I kind of had the same reservations, but I feel like she takes time to pan out because it, it's a little confusing at first when you first meet her. But That's I good. I, I, I think the first two episodes are excellent. I, I should probably jump back into it because yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Jason Bateman is like a fantastic director. Um, yeah. And also I ended up, after I watched the first two episodes, I read the book over a weekend and uh, highly mm-hmm. recommend it. It's a good book. It, it suffers from classic Stephen King. What the fuck was that ending? But it's really good. <laughs> Layton, also um, Karen Kusama directed one of the episodes. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Which I'll is watch really it. cool. Yeah. Karen Kusama is so good. Karen Kusama, she did um, The Invitation and she did Jennifer's this is totally body. off topic. <laughs> Jennifer's Body. But. She did one of my favorite movies that is like when that thing was going around of like what's a movie that was critically and like like popularly panned that you stand by as being like a good movie. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was Aeon Flux. Oh, I hell yeah. Fucking, fucking love that movie. And it's I know I know it's not a good movie, but oh my God, I've seen it so many times. It just like hits all the right shit for me. The acting is so weird. And it's like, when you hear the story about it, how it was like the studio basically completely butchered Karen Kusama's project because it was her thing, but they like interfered in every possible way and destroyed the vision that she had. It makes sense. And you can also piece together the remnants that are there. And you're like, this movie is tight. So yeah, that's she's my she's shit. fantastic. You know what? In terms of psychological horror movies, I gotta say, The Invitation is so fucking fire. Like, it's one of the most stressful yeah. movies I've ever watched, and it's not. There are no jump scares. It's, yeah, Brian, that's a great one. That's really, really. The good. Invitation. It also yeah. all takes place in one house. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and Karen Kusama, the way that she shoots that film is so like intimate and warm and like when things start going wrong because it's shot so intimately it really feels like a violation like the performances are amazing um yeah yeah, that that's definitely a good one i'm looking for this is so this is such a basic take but i I really liked split did you guys see split the (laughs) m night shot oh tight 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 i thought that movie was fucking great like i love early uh, Shyamalan, but like bef- basically up until yeah. uh, the village, which I despise. Um, yeah, of course. Also, but, because he's ripping off Margaret Peterson Haddix's "Running Out of Time" like directly. It's just such a dumb, dumb, easy idea that's done badly. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm not the first person to say that movie sucks, but it's still the correct opinion. Uh, but I thought Split was great. Like uh, all for James McAvoy. That guy crushes in the entire movie. It's not like objectively artistic or anything like that, but it's really fun. And I thought very well. Yeah, it was satisfying. Yeah. Did you guys see Glass? Um, No. No, I didn't see Glass. I I was stuck in Boston. Uh, this is last January. My mild digression. This has never happened to me before. So I was flying out of Boston 
where I was supposed to be, and it was like crazy cold, like literally two degrees out. And we were waiting Wait. on the de-icing truck to so the plane could take off, and the de-icing truck froze. Whoa. And then they couldn't find another, and we sat on the plane for hours, and then they were like, well, that was the de-icing truck, and it literally froze, so no one's getting out of Logan. <laughs> uh, and then I was stuck in Boston for three days in the middle of a snowstorm, and so I went to the Somerville Theater all by myself to see Glass at 10 o'clock at night. I was <laughs> the only person in the audience. Oh, my God. Oh, that's that's the best feeling in the world, being the only person in the audience. Yeah. Especially, it's like one of those, it's it's like an old school uh, Massachusetts theater. And so it looks like, you know, they do live performances there sometimes. Uh, and so it looks like, you know, it's not a multiplex vibe at all. It's like a very, you know, old school single screen. Yeah. Uh, it's like the, the kind of thing where it's a, there's a stage, like a, a stage you could perform on. The screen is set back a little bit and the curtains open up. Uh, it was great. And uh, the 100% the theater staff was mad that I showed up <laughs> because they were about to go home. Uh. And I mean, it was like 10 p.m. on a fucking Tuesday or something. Oh, my God. And I love it. Here comes this asshole to go see Glass. Uh, oh, my God. But I had a great time. I think the... Uh, I have... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Mom. Go ahead. Well, I have two things that I have another recommendation and I have a short thing about the experience of going to a theater more or less by yourself. Um, I have both, yes. The first one... Okay. So the first one is my friend Reed is a really big horror aficionado, just movie aficionado. He is also a writer, and he's really talented, and he's great. And basically, I trust his opinion super deeply about horror. He always always recommends good stuff. And there's this movie he recommended called Coherence that oh, yeah. from, from the beginning, oh. I was kind of like, I don't know, this seems like a little silly. It's a little like, it's very low budget and kind of like, a lot of acting all at once, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? So you're kind of like, it's it's yeah. a tough pill to swallow at first, but the more that it goes on, the more you're like, oh shit, like this concept is so wild and so fun. And it's like very bizarre horror stuff, but more way more like suspenseful and it's not violent and it's not jump scare. It's just a, a good, a good ride. Yeah. And if, then if any of you liked primer, it's by the same people. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yep. I didn't even realize it's that. Shane Shane Carruth. I didn't realize that. I loved Primer. So. Yeah, exactly. Shane Carruth. Shane Carruth, however you say it. Yeah. Yes. Um Yeah, Primer Primer rules. Yeah. And I loved it. Like I, I still don't have any idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Sorry, hold on, is my dog barking? Seventy five percent of the movie. Creature. Will, did you did you understand Primer? Have you ever seen these timelines for it? I did, but I basically like dropped out of that deep analysis of it because I was so I was so obsessed with it in a way that I had to distance myself from it. It's the only movie I've ever seen in my entire life yes, that sense. the first time I watched it, I immediately restarted it and watched it again. I've never done that with totally. another movie. Wow. And the first time I saw it, I was like... otherwise, you just Oof. have no idea what's going on. Yeah. No idea. And it was just so aesthetically my shit. It was just so like, this is like the kind of thing that I've always wanted where it's like underacted so it's kind of like everybody is almost like too much of a real person that it 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 threw me 
And then when things start yeah. going a little wild, it just felt very real. And I was like, oh, I was just pulled in. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Have no idea how it holds up, but it fucked me up the first time. The first it holds five up. times it, I, I saw I, it. I watched it within the last few years again. Mm. And it's still fucking great. I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I love a movie that it's like, okay, cool. I get it. Here's the deal. Yep. I got it. Wait, what? Oh my! Oh god! Yeah, it just totally <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. It's just like it just throws you off halfway through. I mean, that was me and with then, Cabin in the yeah. Woods too. Like on a totally different tip and way more violent. Cabin in the Woods totally threw me. Yeah, it was very unexpected I, that's for a, me. I, it's a great movie. I love Cabin in the Woods. Um, and then very quickly, the experience of going to a theater more or less by myself that I have to mention. It's like a required, a <laughs> required anecdote, is that I. The first time I saw cats, I <laughs> went I went with my brother and my friend Reed, so the same friend who I mentioned, and it was just the three of us. And no, and my friend Campbell. It was the four of us. And then um, we went to the Arclight in Sherman Oaks at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. So like almost oh, yeah. guaranteed empty theater because that was the way we wanted to do it. We were like, we actively like wanted to kind of poke fun at it while we were there, knowing it was going to be mm -hmm. ridiculous going into it. And we, we sat down in the theater and then the only other people that walked into the theater was like a guy we didn't recognize who was friends with these other two people. And those other two people were Brian Posehn and Patton Oswald, <laughs> who are like, who are like extremely oh famous, super, super funny comedians. And the second they walked in the theater, Patton Oswald was just screaming like, who wants to fucking see cats? Man! And like, we, we all started like <laughs> clapping and laughing. And the entire fucking movie was literally like a live Mystery Science Theater 3000. It was like the greatest experience of my life. It was so That's fucking amazing. Tight. Literally just the seven of us in the theater. That was it. Uh, it was wild. There was, uh, wow. I went and saw it at that Alamo Draft House, which ever since it opened in downtown LA, I just <sighs> feel so fucking spoiled. Um, get that booze milkshake, <laughs> but we we went and I, I was I wish I hadn't seen it at Alamo Draft House because like they're very serious about you can't talk. Um, but ah. Vern and I went. We ate a lot of edibles beforehand. We get into it. <laughs> Just sorry, my laughing clip the mic. Um, it oh my god, the edibles hit right as the movie started. <laughs> And like neither of us could hold in the laughter and like 20 minutes in, you know, they have the little cards that you can write your orders on. He just passes yeah. me a note that says, this is the martyrs of musicals. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of movies that are too oh extreme. And I think the moment where I was like, oh, Will and I are like very simpatico on horror movies is um, yeah. we were talking over Twitter DMs and I think we we're recommending stuff back and forth. And Will was like. I have this I, with a huge disclaimer. <laughs> it was like a paragraph. Like the biggest possible disclaimer <laughs> in the world. Yeah, I was like, don't see it if you, like don't take this as my opinion. I, it doesn't reflect how I feel. Blah blah blah. blah and I think the moment was, like, that you movie... said that, I was like, wait, are you talking about martyrs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Brian, I basically introduced it. I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, it's by the, way. the way I mentioned this movie to Layton was I was like. This is the movie that scared me more than any other movie I've ever seen, and I will never see it again, and I don't recommend it to people for that reason. Not at all. But don't watch Martyrs. This is the movie. Yeah, don't watch Martyrs. But also, it was 
the scariest movie I've ever seen. And it, I thought it, the ending was absolutely brilliant. It ruined it me so for good. all other horror movies. It feels like three movies. And like by the end of the first act, you're like, wait, there's more. And it just yeah, it gets worse. Like Brian, it's, it's the only movie that I've had to take two walks during. <laughs> Oh my god! Pause. I like, went home like, so and I just <laughs> in in the theater. You had to leave and then come back. Or well, you, at, or you at like my house, I was at home. I was paused at, it and then I was at my yeah. house, and my that same friend Reed was the one who made me watch it. But he was like, "Just stick through it. Like stick it out. It's it's the best." And I was like, uh, uh. "But pause twice. Had to walk like around my apartment. The second time, I had to walk outside." And like take breaths and drink a big glass of water and like collect myself. And then I was like, if we're gonna fucking do this, oh like, God, am we have I to breathing do it right now? Yeah. And it's just it was, one that I that think about thing. all the time. I actually, there was a, um, there's one of the yeah. questions on here from, let me look further down in this document. Um, <clears throat> uh, oh, yeah. Tori writes, Leighton and I share eerily similar tastes. I would absolutely love to see something truly unnerving. Everyone, what is the most disturbing movie you've ever <laughs> seen that still haunts your thoughts every now and again? And, uh, now and yeah, then. Yeah, that's the Mar one. It's Martyrs. It's Martyrs. <laughs> um, for a basic. So, seriously, don't tell anybody that we mentioned it or that we recommended yeah. it because it'll like it'll come back to us <laughs> yeah it's like but we're not liable for any psychological distress yeah. you get from watching that film just because you're like oh it's really hyped up i gotta i gotta watch this yeah. don't don't do it uh basically any neo-french extremism is like a rough time but truly martyrs most extreme of the extreme uh yeah have fun with that so brian if somebody if somebody jokingly is like let's check this out be like no <laughs> i I was like, okay, Vernon had never heard of it. And I was like, hey, let's watch this fun movie. <laughs> the moment oh, the credits God. rolled, he was like, you were never allowed to pick another movie ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but it ruined both yes. of us. And like a week later, he was like, God damn it. No other horror movie is going to do it for me <laughs> after yeah, watching it's, that. Nothing stacks up. That's the thing is that it's like, it scared me the most, but I'm still more satisfied by like, an excellent story you know yeah it's still the thing it is still what makes a horror movie a great a great movie i think and that's what sucked about martyrs was that the story was good oh yeah it i mean sucked. that that's why it's so <laughs> fucked up because the story is yeah. so compelling and takes so many like yeah. hard lefts um yeah <clears throat> yeah it's, it's it's sorry this is it's sort of like parasite vibes a little bit like a tiny little bit um, mm, anyway, mm, I, I feel that let's not talk about martyrs anymore, but I will say in terms of like, I, I do want to loop back around to the psychological horror stuff because I have so many other recommendations, but on the fucked up front, excision is fantastic. Will, I know that's one that you, uh, dipped out of. It's literally the other one that Reed recommended I watch and I was like, this one I can't do. This excision is like ultimate, watching. ultimate gore. Um, Maybe not ultimate gore, but like let's, emotionally. Let's actually gore. not even talk about it because it makes me. It okay, makes yeah, me yeah, nauseous. yeah. All right. I can't um, think about it. Also, one that's like not as gory and that I just think is a fantastic horror movie and that scared the shit out of me was uh, The Descent, which is. I love if that you're, movie. Oh, I've heard that. Like, very. Yeah, scary. if. Brian, if you're there are even a, couple, a couple of jumps. Yeah, there's a couple of jump scares, but it's super worth it. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's, it, it's fantastic. It's don't look up anything about it. Um, it's if you're claustrophobic yeah. at all, th that will get you. Caves scare me very bad. Like if you like if you like oh, Ted I've, the Caver, that's uh, your shit. I've already read. Like that is definitely one of the ones where I have read the Wikipedia plot summary. 
mm. several times, like <laughs> uh, because I'm too scared to see these movies. Yeah. So like, and I know this is a thing that people do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've read about it, so I know like kind of the the deal, but I'm never gonna see it. Word, 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 yeah, word. Uh, I think another one in terms of like scaring me for a really long time and probably one of my favorite horror movies is The Strangers. Um, home Invasion is like my favorite mm. horror subgenre. Like it, it, it is the one that scares me the most. Um, and, you know, like I'm, I'm a big Michael Haneke stan. So funny games, uh, especially the remake are super fucking good. Anyway, The Strangers is great. Uh, and it's one that I show to people and they're like, I don't know. It's kind of boring. Like it didn't scare me that bad. And then I get the t- the text like two weeks later in the middle of the night of like fuck you, fuck you. I can't stop thinking about that movie now that I'm home alone. <laughs> um, and a fun fact it. is, uh, my dad's in the film industry, and they shot The Strangers in my hometown, and so he worked on it as Ooh. a set decorator. Um, and throughout my childhood, you know, because they'll rent stuff from people who worked on the movie to just put it in because it's easy and accessible. So there's a lot of like furniture and stuff in the stranger's house that's like from my childhood home, like the big deer head and stuff. Whoa. So that's fun. Oh my God, I love it. Oh my God, what? Yeah, it's horrifying. My dad was (laughs) telling me about how like the very last thing that they shot is the ending where it's like Liv Tyler just screaming hysterically and (laughs) they were just like, chilling out in the next you know just like outside waiting for them to rap and just listening to her screaming and the moment it was over they segued into the rap party which was just like everybody having a great time and then they had to strike the set the next morning at like 6 a.m um oh my god so wild night I love it. and one more stranger story um there was a point uh where my long this was a long time ago but um my dad was trying to be romantic with my mom and so they got a hotel room that was like nice and had the heart-shaped jacuzzi and everything and my dad put out rose petals and when my mom got in there she was like where'd those fake rose petals come from uh and they're the ones that they used in the stranger (laughs) oh my god so that explains a lot about why i am the way that i am anyway i love it i feel like my favorite Uh, horror subgenre is like demonic stuff i just feel like there's so much room for creative madness with that stuff what's your favorite like demonic movie you're gonna laugh at me. You're both gonna laugh at me, but <laughs> probably, probably end of days. I have not seen that one. No, with <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, yeah, and Gabriel Byrne. It's so stupid, and I love it. I, I mean, like that Event Horizon. Fuck yeah. Um, uh, uh, I mean, like The Conjuring is demonic, and I fucking love that movie. Um, and it, can, can I also just say yes. I l- really, really like the Constantine movie. Yes, Constantine was literally the other one I was thinking of, and I couldn't remember what it was called. Right? Thank you. Uh, Like, I I remember people shitting on that movie when it came out. I I watched it within the last six months, Hmm. and I've seen it several times. It's kind of great, right? It slaps. It absolutely slaps. It's like an absolute SFX extravaganza. It's amazing. Is that the one that has the quote where it's like, would anyone ever really want to see an angel, something that goes around with one wing dipped in blood? Is that that movie? Sounds like that movie. I, I don't remember that one. There's just so many great things in it. I mean, the, the, yeah. the big great thing is Peter Stormare as Lucifer. Yes. Who, God. like, comes down at the end to collect John, uh, Constantine's soul. It is, like, the performance of his career. It's a great scene. It's so good. It's the best. And it's, like, he's on screen for, what, five minutes tops? Yeah. And it feels like the part in, he was born to he, play. <laughs> yeah, he just owns it immediately. It's fantastic. That sounds awesome. So good. I'm so glad you were into it. Uh, <laughs> Layton, I have no idea how you will feel about it, but 
it is so fun. If you go into it with like like knowing it's going to be ridiculous and then just aiming to have a good time. I mean, I, I love it. some ridiculous shit. I'm not sure if it's strictly, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a Lovecraftian demonic thing. But uh, if you folks haven't seen In the Mouth of Madness with Sam Neill, uh, that's... Ooh, I have not. Oh, it's like my... F- it's, oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's really hard to do Lovecraft right. And I think it is the one that does it the best. It has great practical special effects. Um, and sa- oh, I'm about to write it down. In the Mouth of Madness? Yeah. Um, okay. It, it's like there's a. It's a carpenter, yes. It's a carpenter right? movie, and so you know this Ooh. book, this mystery writer releases this new book, uh, and then disappears, and everyone starts going crazy, uh, and then Sam Neill is like mm. investigating what happened. Um, it's I fantastic, it. and I, I have to say, speaking of Sam Neill, and I'm I've recommended this on this show before, probably because it's maybe my favorite movie ever, um, Possession, mm. 1981, with Sam Neill and mm. um, uh, Isabella Johnny who tears it, it's the best it's like maybe the best horror movie i've ever seen in terms of like being the perfect amount of batshit perfect amount of fucked up incredible performances like you truly don't see what's coming and it's uh, it's such a delightful movie uh, i own it on blu-ray and i force people to watch it um nice hell it's yeah. good shit and just like baby 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 sam neil um yeah i i, I kind of want to run through like a couple more like psychological horror stuff. I'm looking at my letterbox right now and I'm just kind of like running through um, shit piss. Uh, Creep one and creep two are really great. Like they have a few jump scares in them, but they're not like really scary jump scares. They're like almost like bits sort of. Um, but those are great. Uh, if you just want something like quick, get in, get out, not too scary. Uh, great performances, all that stuff. Also, the Duplass brothers. Yeah. Um, also, maybe second to Possession and like the remake of Funny Games in terms of my favorite movies ever. Uh, 1988, The Vanishing. Have y'all seen that? No. Oh, yeah. That that movie rules. That, it, it's maybe my favorite. It's, it is so it's, good. I think it's the best like psychological thriller ever. Um, 1988? Yeah, because there was a really bad remake okay. with Jeff Bridges. Uh Okay. It, it's like yeah the year is important on a horror movie yeah exactly but it, it's i don't want to say the trope that it invents but it invents a trope in a really upsetting way um and it's just like okay. it's a really good like serial killer like mystery whodunit kind of thing and i, I love it love it i love can't it. recommend it enough if you want something that's like really creepy slow burn but not scary that's the movie for you oh sorry i was just gonna say um Zodiac. <laughs> I fucking mm-hmm. love Zodiac. <laughs> yeah, Zodiac's great. Yeah, that was for really sure. Fun. Brian, what were you gonna? Sorry, uh... I was gonna say, and and just one one last one before we uh, keep going. Bunny Lake is missing. Oh have my god! That? Yes, no, that ending is not. so wild. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, it's Bunny Lake is missing. Will, have you seen that? I have not, but I am so thankful, literally just for the fact that I have like six recommendations written down for movies I for <laughs> movies I haven't seen, which is already amazing. So it's, I am like, so it, it's basically, it, so basically this this woman drops her kid off at like nursery school, mm. and then she comes back to pick her up, and they're like, "What are you talking about? You've never had a kid here." Oh God, and, I love it, and, and then the just movie goes from there. Yeah, yeah it's can't wait. it's a big that like great. influential yeah. murder mystery one. Like for example, in the Big Lebowski, uh, Bunny Lebowski is named after Bunny Lake in that movie. Um, uh. On the same like classic, maybe not horror. I guess it was horror at the time. Um, Diabolique um, 
it, it's like a, I want to say it's a French movie, but it's about two women mm-hmm. who in the source material were lesbians and they changed it, which I'm mad about. But they conspire to murder the woman's husband and like get rid of his body. And it it has like, oh, it's such a good movie. And it has one of the best posters ever. Like really, if you have a Criterion Channel subscription, it's on there. And I think The Vanishing is Layton. on there as well as a uh, video of Bill Hader talking about how good The Vanishing is. Oh, tight. Okay. Anyway. Oh, my God. Yeah. Leighton, did you see... Uh, we should probably... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. We could talk on. about Those horror movies should... all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, let, let's move on to something Wait, else. Wait, what's your, what's your one thing, Will, well, and then yeah. we'll... <laughs> yeah. I was just going to ask if you had seen Thoroughbreds, and we can talk Yo, about it Oh, yes. Yeah. No, okay. I have not seen it. Okay. That's a good Thoroughbreds, one. great. If you want to so. go for the like weird girl horror, Jennifer's Body, Thoroughbreds, Excision, yeah. Tragedy Girls, same ilk. May, All Cheerleaders Die. Get on that shit. It's one of my favorite like subgenres. Oh, Raw. Did I say Raw? <laughs> okay, well, stop. You're no more horror movie chat. So encyclopedic. I love it. <laughs> this is my life. Um, so let's let's go for like a music one because we covered a lot. Yeah, I. There's one here that that I'm looking at that that I like. So let me read this one. Uh, so this is from Joseph, who says, I'm looking for albums similar to Switched on Bach by Wendy Carlos, electronic classical that experiments with synthesis to achieve classical music that's not reaching too far into experimental and or becomes too club beady like some albums I've seen. I will say uh, very so quickly, I can't, yeah. I, I wouldn't know. Don't ho- hold out for me because I make electronic music. I do not know the answer. <laughs> okay. Well, I, the, the reason I, I, I'm cluing into this one is I, I do have a couple things. Yay. First of all, uh, Joseph writes correctly also that Carlos rules. So Wendy Carlos, uh, she's a trans woman who was a very, very early electronic music pioneer. And, and who did the Tron much, soundtrack, uh, if you're not familiar. Did the, the Tron soundtrack, which is amazing. Her... Uh, first, I think her first basically just was, was this Moog kind of musical genius. And her first album was, uh, well, first I'm not sure about, but her first big hit at least was called Switched on Bach, where she took all these Bach pieces and just did them on synths and it's the best. So it's all this classical music, which is just done on a variety of cool Moogie type synthesizers. Yeah. But, uh, the thing that I was going to recommend based on this, and this is a, a guy I found pretty recently. Uh, his name is Don Muro, or Muro, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, M-U-R-O. And he has this album called It's Time from, I forget exactly when, uh, mid-70s. And uh, it is just, it, it's like synth bonanza in Ooh. the best possible way. It's a little yes. bit poppy. The sounds are, they're real squishy and squirty and, you know, mogey. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's so much fun to listen to. He has this one, there, there are a bunch of great tracks on it, including the title track, It's Time. But he has this one, uh, one tune on there called Squash, where it's like this thing that just, it, it just kind of builds up with this like very funky groove. And just when it gets to like the, the peak, some someone presumably him comes in and just goes squash <laughs> and it is so, so 70s funny. i love it oh it's so 70s it's, it's so so, so great he has another one uh called high voltage love 
which is on like a an album that just came out a few years ago. Like I, I he was, I think more of a. I don't think he was ever that popular. Although I don't really know much about him, mm. but he released basically like you know deep cuts and B sides from his career making music probably five years ago or something like that. Uh, and there's a song called High Voltage Love, which is insanity in the best possible way. It's mm. really really great. I love it. Um, uh, let's see. Carlos has. She has just a ton of cool stuff, and this person already knows Carlos. Anyone who hasn't heard Wendy Carlos's stuff, you got to find it. The problem is, it's not available on streaming services. Ah, I didn't realize that. I was literally going to say you can probably look for like related artists on a streaming service and find stuff, but that's that's the clinch. Yeah, and the, she she did the a lot of the Clockwork Orange soundtrack. Really? Too. Oh uh, fuck! I didn't realize. Yeah. that. Yeah, and so there's this. You know the uh, and, and some of the the shining too. I think. Oh fuck! But there's mm. so much great uh, Carlos stuff in Clockwork Orange soundtrack, but you can't hear it because it's not it's not on the uh, the copyright doesn't. <laughs> very allow it. very basic electronic mm. music representation. But if you haven't heard like Aphex Twin uh, selected ambient works, like that's that's kind of adjacent because not all of his stuff is the like aggressive noisy beeps and bloops. Like there there he ha- he's done some like really beautiful. Uh, compositions there that are sort of adjacent to what you're talking about also worth noting if you like an artist and you want to find more artists like them there's a website called musicmap.com and there's a little dash in there where you can enter the name of an artist and then it shows you this like little rotating like flow chart of the ones that are closest to the middle or the ones that are most like it and then there are ones on the outside so it's a really great way to like find new music yeah, it's a discovery tool. I remember using it in the past, and it kind of fucked me up. I was like, Jesus, this is so easy. <laughs> like, where has yeah. this been? Yeah, it, it's super it's delightful. Uh, also, it, it, like, it, just another recommendation along these lines. It's something kind of more classical. Basically, listen to any fucking prog album from... <laughs> 1970 through 1978. Very like, real. Uh, and concentrate on the keyboardist, like Rick Wakeman. Yeah. He has this dumb album called the six wives of henry the eighth where like every track it's like track one catherine of aragon uh i believe it i think this is the album he left yes over or something uh Mm. but basically any prog keyboardist from the 70s is gonna have some dumb classical thing they do and i use that as a compliment uh on a moog so Mm. find prog keyboardists from the 70s uh, and then, then go from there. Another band along these lines is uh, actually this is this is great. It's it's not super synthy, although it does have its moments. Uh, Gentle Giant, which is a uh, it, it's like the logical extreme of Prague. Mm. It, it, it's so abstract and weird at times that it's uh, it, it doesn't even sound like rock music. Uh, it's really, really great stuff. So um, I recommend that one too. I have a fun recommendation. Recommendation, maybe bouncing back to Brian and whoever is listening. That um, I, it's not totally my my world, but there is stuff that leans into my listening vibe. And somebody that's kind of crossed over for me is this artist. Uh, her name is Angel Mark Lloyd, but the the artist mm. names for the two different projects are fire tools which is f-i-r-e dash t-o-o-l-z fire tools and then non-local forecast uh but fire tools is like the way way more aggressive experimental inclination of it and then non-local forecast is not easy listening but like much easier to listen to uh but they're both really really proggy like 
vibing synth driven stuff that's like really like smart i don't know how else to explain it she just knows her fucking music and it's a thrill to listen to all of her stuff and um yeah i don't know her production is out of this world she's just really really inventive and knows what she's doing so that stuff is really fun this is exciting i i, I awesome. have so much are stuff you guys to listen uh, to now. fiery fiery yeah. furnaces fans i knew a about them, but I don't know their music, but I know people who love them. I've never heard of this. I hear they're fucking great. They were, they really hit in like, they're really, really great. Their, their first album, I think it was their first in particular, the one with Blueberry Boat on it, mm. uh, is just a wonderful, weird, interesting uh, set of music. Um, I was also going to say that like with stuff like Switched on Bach, I, it's not going to be... Uh, super easy to hunt it down but just so much of the video game soundtracks like that came in the early 90s and like late 80s or whatever are so so synth driven and super classically inspired that yes. i'm sure there's something you can hunt yeah. down in that realm that's like also gonna thrill you in the same way but i can't be like here's the one it's, well, it's gonna be some research excellent segue uh sherman writes as for recommendations i really enjoy listening to video game soundtracks while i work some of my favorites are oh. Donkey Kong Country 2, Final Fantasy 6, Chrono Trigger oh. slash Chrono Cross, and the Persona series. What are some other bop and video game soundtracks I could add to my playlist? I mean, if he doesn't already have the Katamari Damacy soundtrack, uh, the that's best. like, oh, like mind-blowing. I, I got to go to yeah, a yes. panel at MAGFest like in 2015 where the composers were there and they did a QA, and a and then at the very end everybody like sang the theme song in unison and like I just like cried. So <laughs> it fun. was so amazing. It's so fun. Yeah, that shit is like untouchable. Like especially in terms of video game music where it like where the music needs to convey the atmosphere of the game it's a part of. Yeah. It's like a one-to-one -one. it's like spooky how fucking good it is yeah. it's just like oh this is the soul so of this fun game. and it's chaotic incredible. and um oh yeah. in terms of synth stuff uh the portal 2 soundtrack i used to really really love listening to actually when we yeah. were um yep really good oh yeah it's fabulous when we were um yeah. working with our composer uh jesse kale on dream daddy and we got to the like secret cult ending stuff we were like all right carpenter synth also portal 2 soundtrack like we just threw all these like dark synthy stuff and i'm so happy with that <laughs> with how that track came out because it's just like fabulous um Mega Man so x good. really great soundtrack um let's see uh on the other side of things the doom soundtrack is also a one-to-one -one <laughs> for like how well it's supposed to like invoke the the spirit of the game mm -hmm. that it's a part of it's like insane how good it is like you can just listen to the entire thing it's fucking great it's so heavy and so good and it's crazy that it's all one guy that's what's so spooky listening to it it's like one person oh, i love it um 90s pc game deep cut dinosaur adventure 3d has like the best soundtrack <laughs> it's so good um i loved that game when i was a kid in any sort of like shitty dinosaur pc game but like it I was like looking at Let's Plays of them for the nostalgia, and I was like, "Wait, this shit really like unexpectedly slaps so hard." <laughs> it goes, yeah, it goes. Um, I mean, Sonic Three had like, I think it was like rumored. I can't remember if it was actually true or not, but had like Michael Jackson working on some of it. Oh and my so god, you're right. In yeah, some of the melodies in Sonic Three are like a little too strong. Like they're a little too good, and you're like, "Wait, why do I remember every single note of this song?" And it's like oh, it's a fucking it's a Michael Jackson joint. Uh, another one from the '90s, and this is this one is. I mean, this is a pretty deep cut. 
it's Police Quest 3. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, and they got Jan Hammer, who did the Miami Vice soundtrack, to Whoa. do the soundtrack for it. And it's awesome. Like, you listen to it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's that. That's Miami <laughs> Vice. I got it. Uh, so sick. What, what was the name of it again? Police Quest 3. So it's one of the Sierra games uh, oh, that, it. you know, like the people who did King's Quest and Space Quest and uh, all that stuff. Okay. And for uh, Police Quest 3, which came out, I don't know, like 91 or 92, something like that, uh, they got Jan Hammer to do it. And it's fucking awesome. Oh, so good. Oh, you know what? One that I've been listening to a lot lately is the soundtrack for Overpass, uh, my makeup and vanity set. Uh, those are those are some good synth well, beats. Uh, synthy beats. Also, uh, any any Animal Crossing soundtrack, they have so many of the like. Here's every song in the game for 15 hours. Uh, kind of compilations on YouTube. Yeah. We've been listening to that in the like uh, bullpen in the Grumps office. Uh, we just put it on the Alexa. And Layton, how's how's your How's your weekend looking? What? <laughs> because of new animal. How's your weekend looking because of new Animal Crossing? Because mine is booked. Oh shit! You got you got some Animal Crossing dates set up. I just I mean like we're all just gonna be at home forever. I'm not gonna do anything else. I, I I'm I'm I like every day feels like six years. And I've been waiting so long for this <laughs> game, and I know we're I all know. on that front. But like yeah, yeah. Once I, I don't know. Once we get into it and kind of see how the multiplayer stuff works, I'm assuming it's. Same as it ever was, but like, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's, it's, I've heard from trusted sources that they've perfected. I, this is a big aside, but I've just heard they've perfected everything that it's going to be absolutely I'm, great. I'm so, so fucking wait. ready. I just got the notification that mine shipped from Best Buy, and it's like, oh, please just put it in my hands. I can only, I've been like replaying <laughs> Stardew obsessively, a game that I have like over 200 hours in uh, cross platform. Mm. And it's like, there's nothing left for me to do here. I can only, I can only yeah. harvest these cranberries so much. <laughs> I uh, I restarted Skyrim. That's like my my mode oh, right yeah. now. It's like it's it's so satiating. It totally so is. It puts me in a good space. It's such a perfect comfort game. Uh, what what's your like current yeah. uh, character and like build and stuff? Uh, I'm gonna be an Argonian. And I'm going for two handed and enchantments. Ooh. And I'm I'm playing the Imperials for the first time. Who I who I've never Interesting. done before. So. I think this yeah. is a very common thing, but every time I'm like, I'm going to try something different, and it's like Stealth Archer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've literally played the game twice that way, and so I'm it's doing It's too much very, fun. Very you just wheelhouse. snipe people. Oh, pickpocketing is my favorite, and I love just being like really potion-focused of like going out and picking up every ingredient possible and then just cranking them out and reselling them. Like, yeah. that's the stuff. I'm... I'm very good at uh, constantly doing a side, so I can't even remember what we were talking about. <laughs> we were talking about video game I'm soundtracks. <laughs> I feel like we, we got a bunch of them out there, so we could... Okay. Yeah, we definitely have a bunch. Oh, of I, cool, I want to cool, cool. uh, make let's... sure we get... Th there are obviously yeah, other it. ones that I want to do, but while we're on this section of the document, I love this question so fucking much that I have to read it. Tom writes, what are some songs you'd recommend that give off the vibe of, quote, you were the coolest, but I don't know if you love me back. But also, I would very much like to be fucked in your evil scientist lair. <laughs> um, I actually have one in mind that is, it's maybe dumb that I thought of something right away. No, um, no, not at all. There's, okay, Kindred there's, spirits. I'm just. Yeah, I also thought of something right away. Um, there's this Italian artist 
named Lorenzo Senni, S-E-N-N-I, who's on Warp Records, which is like premier electronic label of the world. Um, and his his like thing is ra- like hard rave synth music, but with no beats. So it's all just synth and melody focused and really percussive synth. Ooh. So it's like, I'm just going to play some into my phone right now really quickly. This is... You know, just really vibey. Yeah. And it makes me think of like, I don't know, like a <laughs> evil scientist lair. Maybe. Brian, that's very, very, very good stuff. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, it sounds just from the, the phone thing that we heard right now, it sounds very Dan Deacony. Yes, it's uh, like that, but not as which, uh, uh, is also in that vibe. Yes, very, very much so. Um, the, the EP I would start with is Persona. That's the one with like all all the big hits to start with. Cool. The the album I thought of, which is it's maybe less of the you're the coolest, uh, but more much more of the evil scientist thing is. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, do you guys know who Cool Keith is? No. Yeah. Yeah. So he's this. Uh, he's a rapper, and he had this huge like indie hit of an album uh produced by dan the automator mm. uh under his pseudonym dr octagon called dr octagon ecologist and Whoa. it's like it's got either i don't know if they're uh samples or if they are, are just recorded there a very like stuff from that sounds like it's from 1950s sci-fi movies but with a porn element to it whoa uh and it's like the 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 rap production on it is just unquestionable. It's amazing, and he's one of those rappers that, like, sometimes he rhymes, but more it's just like really cool stream of consciousness lyrics. Uh, oh, that's like Lil B vibes. Every song, yeah, every song on it is like there, there's a lot of like mad scientist kind of like explicit call-outs. You were literally uh, not kidding. Like, the cover is, like, a, a, a skull-headed creature with, like, a medical mask holding a skull. <laughs> it's, like, the most, like, evil scientist thing I've yeah. ever seen. Holy shit. I, I can't wait totally. to listen to that. There's so many great tracks on it. The Blue Flowers is a, is a standout. Half Shark, Alligator, Half Man Whoa. Uh, is a really good one. Uh, the one... Actually, the reason I, I know this album so well is when I was in my uh, when I was in a band in San Diego in the uh, early 2000s when I was living there. So I was in this band, Agave, which is still playing. Hmm. Uh, the I would once or twice a show get up and rap. What? And one of the songs I performed, I'm just going to blow by that reaction. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the songs I performed is on that album called Earth People. And it it's like mm. the simplest groove you could imagine. It's just kind of slow. And the lyrics are, it's, I mean, I don't even know if there's rhymes in that song, like barely. It's, it, but they're so great. Sweet. Um, the, the chorus goes, Earth people, New York and California, Earth people, I was born on Jupiter. That's it. <laughs> I do love that. And he just goes off from there. It's great. But yes, I I used to rap 
occasionally. It's true. I love it. I, I love. I think you can't be you can't be a musician unless you've attempted it. Like you have you have to have not only attempted it but like done it in earnest, and then and then that's how it goes. Like I had a whole stage of trying to do that, uh, and then having enough people be like, "What are you doing?" Uh, that for me it didn't yeah, work my, out. My, but my. my it worked out. I had a very narrow genre, and the one thing is, I just i I couldn't for a variety of reasons. I didn't want to try to do like a like a black voice affectation. I just don't. Yeah, feel of course, like that's positive that for all the obvious reasons, right? Yeah, for sure. So I would only do songs that I felt like I could get away with sounding like a white guy on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Earth People is a hundred percent. <laughs> that's awesome i i tried to sneak by it by doing like talk rapping like i never gave it like melody or deep flow i just kind of like spoke faster if that makes any sense yeah. for some so reason I a, i'm I imagining a lot of, like johnny cash mid-song breakdown <laughs> coming from you which is really funny to me but it's definitely not like slow it was like i i i was obsessed with like um uh, who's the group? Uh, the Streets. Do you remember The Streets? They were like a UK. They're still no. doing stuff, but they were from the UK. And he like, I wouldn't say he pioneered the style, but he he was very like lazy in his delivery. Like it sounded almost conversational, conversational. And I was obsessed with it. And so I just tried oh. to do that for too many songs. And then I kind of stopped doing it. Are there, are there like, any maybe, um, songs oh, out there on the internet that we could listen to if we wanted to hear that? I'm sure, but I'm not going to mention them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. Um, in terms of my answer to getting fucked in an evil scientist lair, this is like the theming of half of my playlists. So I think instead of going through each individual song, I imagine for this episode, I'm probably going to put together a document of every single recommendation that we make. Uh, so y'all don't have to write down every single thing. And I'm just going to link these playlists because there's it, it's like so many individual songs that I've curated over the years. Oh wow! Um, it, it, cool. It's and then there's also not my playlist, but one on Spotify that I listen to all the time. It's uh, I'm not looking at it right now, but it's something along the lines of like uh, dark and horny with religious undertones. <laughs> uh, That's a vibe. Yes, awesome. that is a so vibe. very good. Um, and also in terms of just like a generally like I don't know, maybe I wouldn't call it like a sexy album, but in terms of just like very much I want to fuck album. Uh, it's Nathaniel Merriweather and uh, Lavage's uh, Songs to Make Love to Your Old Lady by, which is maybe one of my favorite albums ever. Oh, my God. Oh, it's, it's the best. It's such a good uh, album. Yes. The, like, so production, good. everything I, about it. It has the best beats, best vocals. Like, ugh. I have, like, <laughs> I have such I have such a disconnect with, like, music that makes me want to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> because all of it, like, for me, an ideal like sex album is like the first Nora Jones record. Like wow. that like just hits it on the money for me where it's like mellow and emotional, but very casual. Hmm. Cause I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's cause I don't like hard sex. So I'm always looking for something that's like more mellow and more like introspective. So like any sex playlists that I have are people like, are you trying to like go to sleep? Or, like, <laughs> that, that's so legit though. I, I certainly don't mean songs to make yeah. love to your old lady by is an explicitly like sex album, even though it's very like, mm -hmm. it is about sex and it's so like satirical and kind of silly that whenever I yeah, play the songs yeah. for people, they're like, 
are you serious yeah. about this right now? And I'm like, yes, it, yes, yeah. I'm extremely serious. And the cover, yeah. the cover is really funny. It, it communicates too. exactly really what it is. There's like, is it? So you said, Leighton, you said lavage. I always thought it was lovage. Lovage. Which do you know? It's lavage. I, I don't know. know. Lavage yeah. sounds way fucking cooler. Do you though. know which way it's said? I agree. Which is <laughs> I, I somehow why I intentionally it was left Mike Patton out of that description. He's like the big one on that. But speaking oh. of Mike Patton, um, he has a really great album called Mondo Kane after the movie of the same name. Uh, which, if you want to learn more about, I'm going to talk about it in deep cuts. No. But it's called Mondo. Look classic Ugh, it's so fucking good because it's like all covers of italian like 50s pop songs um it's just like fantastic easy listening yeah um yeah that's where uh more more which was famously done by sinatra oh, do y'all really? ever get yeah i think so do y'all ever get completely overwhelmed by the possibilities of media that you can consume yes <laughs> Oh, yeah. Because I literally, I will sometimes hit just this moment of like, there's like, there's too much. I can't do anything. And that's usually when I go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll just hit this brick wall at the end of the day where like, oh, I could be doing all these things. I'm going to slow down and start fresh tomorrow and figure out what I what I want. It's the, the extreme what like media choice paralysis. Um, yeah. But kind of taking a turn from like media in yeah. terms of recommendations i really liked this question because I, I was kind of fishing to get something like it jared nice uh jared writes i'd love to get recommendations about your favorite go-to treats to bake or make i go to dinner at my parents every sunday and like to oh. bake as dessert after dinner i've pretty much been rotating between brownies and chocolate chip cookies which are great but i'd like some others i can throw in the mix as well can you bake ice cream <laughs> you know what actually is is a really great uh, an easy thing to to make is a uh, key lime pie. Really? Oh, it's I easy. I love key lime pie, and it's really easy to make. Like if if you're gonna the meringue, if you're gonna do a meringue, meringue is a little a little bit more challenging. But just to do a straight up key lime pie, or the you know, there's obviously a lemon version of that as well. Not mm. hard to make. It's like condensed milk, lime juice, powdered sugar, and you know you. As always with pie crust, you can get the pre-baked crust or you make one yourself. You know, if you're going to make your own crust, that's hard. Ma making a pie crust oh, is like pretty powder. easy. You just got to have enough butter and be okay with consuming that amount of butter. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like mash up a bunch of graham crackers and get some butter. Oh, when like, you do it with Oreos uh, or Biscoff, both of those are great alternatives to graham yo, crackers. Yo, Biscoff! <laughs> Biscoff! <laughs> It, it's Biscoff is my flavor. I love what the fuck is it called? Speculoos. Yeah, uh, I keep Speculus. I keep buying like the sleeves. I I can't buy Oreos anymore unless they're the thins because I eat them too much and they make me feel bad. But Biscoff is the perfect like oh satisfying. Oh, you dip that shit in some coffee. Ooh, <sighs> Biscoff. Biscoff love. Biscoff makes me feel like because it's you know it's like the plain cookie if you're going to Europe. Yeah, it's like it just mm. makes me feel like I'm. I'm going to Europe. I've had my tiny little <laughs> cup of flat Sprite, and now I'm going to eat these cookies yeah. that are crumbling everywhere. And my Biscoff. Um, yes, I, I love it. Uh, another baking recommendation. Yes. Uh, quick breads, like banana bread, oh. uh, mm. like date bread, what anything like that. That's my mom's very, game is banana bread. Oh, make. let yeah, me tell you. My mom makes banana bread all the time. Big spoonful of cookie butter in banana bread dough. Oh. It's mm. the best. That sounds great. 
Oh, I'm getting so hungry. I, yeah, me too. I I'm a. I'm trying. I'm trying to fucking diet during the during. Oh the, no. During during the quarantine, so I'm like dying right now. Yeah, I'm I'm getting a little bit of a Sounds paunch, so and I'm good. not happy about it. Um, but I'm I'm a big dessert it's bitch, life. and I love. Sorry, I am too. That's why. That's why I have to be like active. About I feel like it. every I time like I see you, because I love sugar. You get like a, like a single scoop of ice cream, and I like respect that so much. It's it's yeah, um, small treat. I, this is also here. This is totally totally another aside, but it's important, and I I need to share it. Please, is that the key? The key to traveling in any new place, if you are exploring a new neighborhood, a new area, a new city, another place in the world is to get very small desserts. Even if they're more expensive, make sure every dessert you get is extremely small so that you can continue to have them throughout the day, taste way more things, and not mm. feel sick by the end of the day because you're going to be having a ton of water while you're walking, yep. all this other shit. Don't get big, hunky desserts. Always have tiny, tiny desserts. That's a fabulous idea. And then you can get idea. a ton of them. That's yes. so smart. That is the way to travel. Um, in, in terms of my recommendations for recipes, I am probably going to rattle through a bunch of, uh, in terms of like low effort, high reward, making saltine toffee, you know, you do the pan, fill it with saltines, melt some butter with sugar, pour it on top, uh, put it in the oven, throw chocolate chips on that shit and spread it around. And then you freeze it. Whew. Have y'all made that? No, that sounds amazing. Really, sounds that might great. be like a southern thing. I'm not sure, but like it's so easy. That was always like the Christmas time. Saltine snack. toffee? Yeah, because it, it's literally... Do you have like a written recipe? Um, If you look up... Hold on. Let me make sure that it fits. God, yeah. you type fast. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Just look up saltine <laughs> toffee. You can see like beautiful I, pictures of I, it. I, I like to imagine that she wasn't actually typing anything. That was just keyboard <laughs> clicks. <laughs> Because we can't sack it out. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, you, you can't be a keyboard bitch if you're not going to type really, really fast. Uh, but you, I believe it. I believe saltine it. Saltine toffee, it's literally all oh, you need. You know what, Layton? I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, we, we have an episode title right there, which is Keyboard Bitch Slash Dessert Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> That's the not safe for work one. Great. Um, but yeah, you all you need, saltine, crackers, butter, brown sugar, chocolate chips. Oh my so, god! I'm looking at this. And isn't it beautiful? This is correct. This is this is hot shit. Um, so highly recommend that when cherries are in season. My favorite, like basic but impressive dessert is you get some goat cheese, cut off a slice of goat cheese. You take a little bit of balsamic vinegar, a little bit of brown sugar, put your cherries halved in a pan, make a reduction, dump this cherry brown sugar like beautiful compote onto the goat cheese. It looks so impressive. If you make that for a date or your family. They're going to think that you were a cooking genius, and it's so good. Um, oh it's just God. like warm bursts of like cherry and like a little bit of savory with the balsamic mm. vinegar, and then you get the goat cheese, so it's creamy. It's almost like an ice cream. Like it's, whew. Are y'all, are y'all uh, Bon Appetit YouTube people? Oh, yes, indeed. People? Brian? No, I don't, I don't know about I mean, okay. I, I can guess what it is, but no. It's It's basically like for, if you imagine like, like Food Network and cooking channels and stuff and all, all, all kind of like cooking media, but reduced to being its most casual version. Like it's so relaxed. It's a very and intelligent like formula. And yeah, where like the main, the one of the main series is called uh, Gourmet Bakes, where uh, the chef Claire Saffitz makes like a gourmet version of something like a Kit Kat. But the entire idea of her series is like... Uh, 
like the mistakes that she makes, like how she has to figure it out from scratch. So it's like cooking without. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, Brian, so you it's would like love cooking it. without, uh, without like masking it or trying to make it more holy than it actually is. It's like her being like, okay, I, I fucked this it. up four times in a row. I'm going to try it again tomorrow. We'll do this thing. I'll change this. So she's like a genius cook, but you see how she gets there where she has to take her time. But yeah. Uh, other, other desserts that are really good. I'm, I need to go on a supply run uh, to get more butter. Cause that's the thing that I'm burning through fastest, but um, making, once you get a candy thermometer, which is not as scary as it seems, um, mm. making caramel is so easy and everyone will be your best friend because it's like literally like butter, sugar. What I like to do, pour a little bit of scotch or pour a little bit of bourbon and you get some bourbon caramels. It's so much oh. fun because it's mm. like so easy, so quick. You get to eat the hot caramel and you cut up, you know, parchment paper, paper so you can individually wrap them. So it's like a great activity if you just want to do like a meditative little, you know, make it, the yields on recipes are super high. I think Bon Appetit has a great, uh, caramel recipe speaking of that um and like you just have so Ooh. much of it you can give them to your friends obviously not don't give food to your friends right now blah 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 whatever um <laughs> but if you want to eat like a lot of caramel <laughs> it's the way to go um also christina tosi from it. milk bar um she has a recipe for oh, milk chocolate chip cookies with cornflakes and marshmallows and it is the best cookie i've ever had in my life I swear by that recipe. It's fantastic. So if you want to up your chocolate chip cookie game and have the perfect soft in the middle, a little bit of crunch, just the right amount of chocolate with some gooiness from the marshmallow. And then the edges, because of the marshmallow, get all caramelized, almost like an almond lacy. Whew, that's, wow, a, that's a cookie. This is like, is this the hungriest episode that you guys have incredible. done? Or do you, do you talk about baking a lot? No, we've never we talked really, about this We haven't really talked oh in depth God. about food other than foods that can come from your nipples. <laughs> <laughs> um, Classic. Many people ask for Rex on documentaries, especially fucked up ones. So, uh, I have definitely a big documentary recommendation. Which is, have you guys seen Tickle? Yes. Oh my God. That movie is so fucking crazy. It's insanity. It's start to finish. So Going totally blind. Like, it just, don't even, don't know anything about it. I think it's on Hulu. At least it was a month ago. Uh, it just, you start one place and you end up somewhere pretty different. <laughs> it's, it, it's the best. It also all feels completely fake which is you know i have no idea how accurate it is yeah but i think it's i mean you know it's it's not implausible i guess yeah. but it's pretty pretty it's a wild ride yeah that that one's really fabulous in terms of ones that go places that you don't expect um i will say what is it oh the imposter that's another one that you shouldn't look oh, up oh that's the one i was thinking of that one is so oh, good it's fabulous it's not one. It's like a one. sad crime one, but there's this like element to it that I don't want to spoil that is just like sometimes you get yeah, a documentary it's where it's like there is a person in it who is such a character um, and like the quote unquote character in this movie has like the wildest story. Um, so it, yeah, I, it's very worth it. Yeah, very, very. It's worth not it. like heavy, hardcore bummer. Um, obviously, there is a missing child in it, but it's not like say uh there's something wrong with aunt diane which is maybe one of my favorite 
uh, fucked up documentaries if you just really want to feel like shit um, and see a study in familial denial in the face of alcoholism. <laughs> um, that one's very good. Mm. Um, uh, I have like a, I don't know, my brain is only like, is is resetting on this question and I'm going way back to like that old ancient bizarre hbo series called real sex i don't know if anybody saw that but that oh was my like, god yes that that was like it was like a you know it's TV like on at 2 a.m when you're yeah. at your parents house <laughs> yes yeah, yeah it was like it was like a series of what you might consider a fucked up documentary because it just talked about sex really candidly mm-hmm. but like didn't have enough air about itself to be like, yeah, isn't this crazy? It was just like, here's the craziness. <laughs> and so like everything you were seeing, you were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it was wild and it was so entertaining. So uh, I don't know if that exists anywhere, but oh my God. I think you can so see fun. it on the, I'm pretty sure. Like HBO I might have it streaming. It on the HB- I think it's on how, the app. How old oh is the show? I think it's on the streaming service. It's got to be like early 90s okay, or so mid 90s. A thing and, I discovered oh yeah, at least. relatively recently is that on YouTube, you can just find so many of those like History Channel series or one offs on like Ancient Aliens or like Toynbee Tiles mm. or whatever. There's one, what is it called? There's a channel called Docu Gods that just uploads those constantly. And so if you just want to have some like very nice. nostalgic background noise, I've been putting it on. I have my CRT connected to my computer as an external monitor, and I'll just throw those up on there and get that CRT wine uh, along with some <laughs> Ancient Aliens shit. I, I love, love it, it so much. Um, my one of my brother's favorite shows ever is uh, is Ancient Aliens. It's so like good. Um, yeah. I think my favorite, in terms of a really really long form thing, my favorite documentary series ever is called A Story of Film. It's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Have y'all watched that? Oh my god. Okay, it is the most comprehensive like film history from a non westernized perspective. It is so like international and intentional. It is the most relaxing show I've ever watched. It's so informative. And the guy, uh, Mark Cousins, who is a filmmaker, he does like interviews with the people who made the movies and like shows clips from the movies. But he has the most soothing, gentle, like Irish brogue. <laughs> like, it's so mm. gorgeous. And he always, he's always talking about the shock of the new and like the Hollywood bubble. Like it, it's so fantastic. And he like does nothing to hide his like resentment towards like mo- modern Hollywood. Like you don't even get into what a lot of people would consider like classic American cinema or like contemporary stuff until the last episode. And he barely talks about it. Like he starts mm. late 1800s through present episodes that talk about like classic Japanese new wave cinema. I mean, I, I truly cannot recommend that series enough. Jory, uh, who was, uh, our, our, was he our first guest? Uh, yes, he so, was. Yeah, first guest Jory yeah. on our movie episode. He, yeah, he, he also loves that show. And we joke about the bubble all the time. Um, so that's really delightful. Um, there's actually a list on letterbox or there's several lists that are literally just called like fucked up documentaries. And I got to say, I'm always on this train with people, but like get on Letterboxd. It is such a fantastic website. Um, you can, it, it's for people who don't know, it's like a movie diary. Um, and it, it kind of throws back to like IMD for, IMDB forums a little bit. Um, but like so many people are on it now that you can see, you know, did your friend watch it? What did they rate it? Like what's on their watch list? You can make lists. Uh, and I think you can make collaborative lists. Um, but so many people Ooh. make lists that are really specific. Um it's such a fabulous mm. way to find new movies. And it's also really fun to like 
gamify movies you're watching because you can always add it to your thing and be like i've watched over a thousand movies like that kind of stuff anyway mm. if you get on there love it i'm at oh plum you know po- what plum possum we also we also forgot a super ob- obvious one which is gray gardens oh yeah i mean if you haven't seen gray gardens and you like f- fucked up documentaries what are you even doing yeah um <laughs> mommy dead and dearest is a really fascinating story um who took johnny is a great like conspiracy theory one I liked that uh, that movie that was My Kid Could Paint That, that kind of like switched gears really hard in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. That one was great. That movie's amazing, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That one was intriguing, I remember. Um, I have I have not watched it yet, and I've been meaning to, but like a classic one is Titty Cut Follies. It's about uh, inside like a mental inst- institution and exposing like how abusive the staff was. Mm. It's kind of, I mean, big bummer. Um, I've just heard that it's very good. Did they make did they, did they make a an actual like not a documentary but a movie about that maybe because I feel like I've seen about that what movie about that exact story? Yeah, shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, but that's tight. another one I just thought of. Uh, casting Jean Benet. It's it's really fabulous because it's the Jean Benet story, but told through these like candid anecdotal interviews with the people who grew up in the town and just getting all these like people who lived through it, like these judgy neighbors. But the whole premise is that they're doing these as auditions for a recreation of it. And so it's like very surreal of like having people Hmm. who are in the town playing or auditioning for like Jean Benet or the mother or the father um, and it kind of culminates Yikes. in this big recreation, and it's just like very surreal, very strange. Um, yeah. So there's a bunch of documentaries. Oh uh, sh- I think we should move on to our final segment. So uh, to explain what the segment is, my ex- yeah. My extended family at dinner every night, my aunt and uncle with my nieces go around the table and they do peaches and lemons, which is you share lemon, which is a thing that you're frustrated about or, you know, a thing that you didn't like or kind of a bummer. And then three peaches, which are things that you're excited about or grateful for or, you know, just good things. And I'm going to say this week, we are not going to do lemons. We're going to do only peaches <laughs> okay. for obvious reasons. Um, world is lemons. So let's do peaches. Who starts? Uh, I'll start. I I have many amazing things happening within the confines of my own home. The number one is we built a climbing dome for Audrey. We're homeschooling now for obvious reasons. Uh, And it's like this, it's like one of those little geodesic uh, domes. You know, it's basically... Yeah, like in the sand in a park or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly like that. And she just like goes ape shit on this thing. And she's like <laughs> swing around, hang by one hand, racing around it in a circle. It's like it's it's amazing to watch her go. Uh, That's and, so fun. You know, five is such a crazy, wild age. Uh, she knows there's stuff going on in the world that's not great, but she's still as happy as a little clam and having a great time. Misses her friends, but. <laughs> is thrilled to be spending so much time with her parents. So, like, for her perspective, Love it. it's uh. all good. Uh, so that's peach number one. Uh, peach number two, uh, again, a family thing. Um, uh, Rachel, my wife, uh, is... she's She hasn't done it yet, but by the time this podcast goes out, she will. She filmed a 
uh, a little web series basically called Calls from My Mother During the Apocalypse, uh, where mm. she, so Rachel is Midwestern, she's from Minnesota, and she filmed it a while ago. Actually, Ethan Nestor, a guest on the show, uh, shot it and directed it for her, mm. with her. I what, say. really? Yep. And uh, she's had them for a while and just was kind of waiting to put them out. And then this happened and she was like, this feels like the time. So uh, <laughs> by the time this, uh, this goes out, uh, I'm sure she'll have a couple episodes out. And they're really, really cute. She's like doing her, she's not pretending to be her mother necessarily, but is like a Midwestern Minnesota mom and is talking about, you know, various apocalyptic scenarios. It's really cute. Oh my God, it's so good. Yep. Uh, and the third, real simple, I'm baking bread. I just made a sourdough starter yesterday. Oh, fuck yeah. And it's sitting uh, kind of in the back uh, on top of my uh, dryer. And I've got another 24 hours or so before it's ready to rock. But uh, we're going to start baking our own bread because it's so easy to do. And mm. yeah, nothing better than like fresh bread hot out of the oven. You get a little bit of butter on there, a little preserves. <laughs> it sounded like you got closer to the. It sounded like you got closer to the mic, like getting a little bit of butter. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Love it. You know, I, I do think. I know we weren't going to talk about it that much, but in this time, we have to be cognizant of what other people do and do not have, and. Uh, we have the ability to bake bread, so I'm not going to buy bread from the store when I can just bake it myself. Sounds good. Hell yeah. That's a good mentality. Uh, Will, what are your peaches? Um, I think first, like the most prevalent thing in my brain right now is that I've rediscovered Skyrim. I'm, I'm a passionate, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a passionate fucking video game person and that it's like, it's this thing where like, I I'm very... How do I put this? I absorb things really, really deeply. It becomes a big part of being a musician or an artist of any kind. You just like internalize things in such a way that like it affects your mood for a very long time or you carry things with you. And I end up like dreaming about Skyrim a lot, especially when I'm playing Aww. it so consistently. <laughs> and it's just a world that feels really exciting and safe at the same time and really thrilling. And like my brother and I basically for the past two days while this quarantine, I live with my brother. So while we've been quarantined and everything, I keep like, like we both keep nerding out about like the new PS5 that'll be coming out later and how there's a new Elder Scrolls game that'll eventually be coming out for it. And it's just like, oh, it's so inspiring to think about because of how great that series of games already is. And then I start thinking about deeper fantasy and I start getting into these big mindsets of like how a video game, especially a deep fantasy or deeply narrative video game can tell a story in such a way that so many people still don't experience. Like so many people don't understand yeah, how totally. good and how in-depth it can be. So it in turn playing Spyrim, Skyrim gets me like so passionate to do my own shit and to start making more music and do all this other stuff. So that's my first speech is just fully feeling like the full inspiration wave from Skyrim. Mm -hmm. Second peach being that I'm, very comfortably in the process of making my next record for Baths, Yay. which is That's fun. Awesome. Yeah, it's very good. And the big difference and the actual peach of this is that I had a tip from a friend, uh, Sadie, who's in the group Speedy Ortiz. She's like the mastermind of that band. And she recommended 
to me because it was the last way she worked on us. I think her solo record, a, a sad 13 record, um, that she had, she set this goal for herself to like make a song every two weeks, like full fledged, like all production songwriting, like vocals, lyrics taken as far as she can possibly Amazing. go and then shelve it and then completely move on to the next thing and then just make an entire record in that fashion. And for me, I am a solo producer, musician, whatever. So I have a similar task of making a record by myself all the time. All the music I make is pretty much me sitting in my bedroom alone, figuring things out. And I have ADHD and I have a very difficult time, both time managing and like conceptually managing music that I make, especially when it comes to making a record. And the last record I made, I was thinking about the entire thing all at once, all the time. So any song I would work on, I was like, but how does it fit into the narrative of these 13 other songs? And like, how does it sound compared to these other songs? Which is great, but at the same time, for a brain like mine, it detracts from working on the song I'm currently working on because I'm thinking about a bunch of other mm. bullshit that isn't necessary. And so this method of doing something every two weeks has like completely changed my process. And I'm, I'm working more on music than I ever have in my life. And I like am thrilled about it. So it's like the biggest possible peach. It's my number two peach is huge and juicy. What a like excellent awesome. paradigm shift yeah. creatively when that kind of thing I happens. I love yeah, it. Totally. So that has totally fucked my world up in the best way. Um, and then third is, uh, I think today was my first attempt at exercising during quarantine stuff in like a full-fledged workout way. And it went miserably because I haven't exercised <laughs> in a week and so I overdid it. But I did it. And so the whole thing is that once you start exercising, your stamina for whatever workout you're attempting builds and builds and builds. So I know that the next time I do it, I'll be able to go further with it and I'll be in my zone again. And like the whole thing is if I can like exercise comfortably, diet comfortably while all of this is happening, it's going to keep me like comfortable through the whole thing. So I'm, I'm excited, yeah. weirdly excited about whatever this future is right now for being stuck at home. That's great. That's beautiful. Those are three very good beaches. Um, I'm a fairly optimistic see. person, which is weird. I'm like, I'm always trying to find the good shit in whatever is weird. Yes. That's awesome. I, um, Hence loving Aeon Flux. <laughs> yeah, weren't you also telling me that The Cell is great? The Cell kind of is in that my same zone? favorite fucking movie. Like one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> and so many people don't give a shit about it. And there's things that don't hold up and I still don't care because it fucked me up forever and I love it. That's true enjoyment of a movie though. I think that really speaks to the quality of a thing yeah. where you're like, listen... I see the flaws here. I love, I love it. it. Like that. That's. I love it. When I hear recommendations from people, those are the ones that I get the most excited about. Of like, okay, you really like love. The this. worst example of that um, is yeah. Jupiter Ascending. Like, it's the worst. <laughs> You're so valid. <laughs> though. It's the worst movie ever, but I fucking loved it because it's like it's like flipping through one of the greatest concept art books you've ever put your eyes on. The movie is trash, but it's oh, just yeah. so it's so dense that. For me, I never got bored. I was just like, "This is beautiful." I can't stop looking at it. <laughs> well, that 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 it's is what like I, I like that movie too. And what I love about it is it Tight. takes chances like every thirty seconds. You're like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> what? They're, they're doing that? Oh God, no!" 
And it's that's just so like accurate. These... Yeah, you're just like, why? What? What is this? What's going on? He's also, part dog. Is, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's like it is. It's amazing. I think it was the sixth Wachowski siblings movie that had human harvesting, which was really funny. Hmm. <laughs> really, <The> sixth. <laughs> I'm like an obsessive fan of theirs, but there's just so much of it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they have a thing. Whether or not they know it, it's a thing. Uh, that's uh, This is another digression, but one of my favorite things in the world is just like tracking what an artist is obsessed yes. with. Um, They're really into Like there's harvesting. a really fantastic, speaking of Ari Aster and shit, there's a really fucking fabulous episode of the A24 podcast where it's Robert Eggers of The Witch and the Lighthouse and Ari Aster interviewing each other. But they even told me to listen to it, and it was great. Uh, it's amazing. Um, so early on in the episode, uh, Ari Aster is talking about when he was a kid, like the thing in a horror movie that scared him the most was in Carrie when Piper Laurie is chasing uh, Sissy Spacek around the house. And like you see that in every single one of his movies, including like his short films especially. Mm. And it's just like fascinating how like that carries him through. And Robert Eggers talks about how even when he was a little kid, he was obsessed with like historical accuracy mm. uh it's really cute i love noticing that stuff about directors and it's really fun That's um great. let's see uh my first peach is that the other night i was like i really want comforting food right now i would like kill for some mashed potatoes and i was like wait i can just make mashed potatoes <laughs> um and you know you take two rusted potatoes it's so easy and i got like some bacon fat in there i cut up some bacon got some cheese and just like Oh, so wonderful and i've like had mashed potatoes for too many meals now and i love it <laughs> and then this morning i made uh potato pancakes with them and had a little egg on top of it so good oh, nice. um love it very basic peach there uh and then second peach is getting to spend time with my dog uh, she's just like always on me and i've been writing a lot and so it's it's just like really delightful to have her sleeping on my lap Ow. or just snuggling up in the morning like I'll wake up and be like, maybe. And then she immediately comes out of the covers and is like super excited and tail waggy. Oh my God. Um, so that, yeah. I my cat that. has um, been like overwhelmed because of it. Cause we're all home and he's just like, yeah. what? It's like, what are you doing yeah. here? He's not upset. He's just like, uh, activated, just very activated. <laughs> <laughs> activated yeah. cat, cat, captivated, whatever. <laughs> um, and then my third peach I think is, um, I've been I'm I'm very lucky to be doing a job that is largely writing meaning I can be at home but a lot of times when you are forcing yourself to write it can be just like such a grind when it's not coming out but I've been like very disciplined about it and very committed to doing like writing warm-ups one of my favorite things mm. that I love to do because you know when you draw you sketch first otherwise your drawings are going to be shit and when I realized that you have to do the same thing with writing, like no matter what you're doing, like you need to warm up with low stakes shit. Um, it is like really changed the way that I write. So sometimes it's complete like stream of consciousness nonsense or do like the um, the artist's way, like morning pages thing where you just write three pages longhand of stream of consciousness. But the one that I've been doing lately is you copy a chapter from a book that you like. Um, it goes way quicker than you think it would. Um, and it's just so like informative. I've been doing stuff from Stephen King books because that's kind of tonally what I'm doing right now. Um, and it really gives you like not only cool. understanding like why it's so effective, but it gives you a deeper appreciation like of the author and like the craftsmanship wow. of it. 
And it's been like really making my writing a lot better. So I highly you, recommend you that will, for anybody who's you'll like... You'll copy an entire chapter of a Stephen King book before you start your own writing sometimes. That's yeah, amazing. maybe That's not amazing. like an entire chapter, but I'll, but I'll find passages that I that I like or like great, great. pages. Amazing. Um, That's like such a wild thing. I'm I'm like part of my thing is to write, but it's writing lyrics, so I have like no discipline right. when it comes to like actual writing at all. So like hearing anything about the writing process is like fascinating to me. I'm like, "Oh shit." Maybe I should try that. Maybe I should like, that's so <laughs> it's rad. It's very intense. I, I highly recommend the stream of consciousness, like nonsense poetry, because mm. you usually get like interesting snippets. And another thing that's been juicing me so creatively lately is the um, Talk to Transformer website, where it's like you put in a passage and it'll AI generate stuff. Oh. And because a lot of the stuff that I'm writing is so like horror, horror adjacent, it spits out like fascinating shit Whoa. like really interesting turns of phrase and it's like so accidentally beautiful um i want to um, ask that, you like, for that that's link. been very that's inspiring oh yeah it's literally just talk to transformer.com oh my God, i'm going to it right now oh yeah okay um and it's super fun like sometimes you can just put the craziest shit in like sometimes it'll write porn like whatever it's it's uh it's pretty fun amazing hey, i'm curious will like uh, yes. for when you write music. Okay. So here's something mm -hmm. I do a lot when I'm writing music is I will just think of a vibe, play 20 seconds of a song that I feel like is in that vibe and then try to re basically try to write that song. And it's all, what comes out ends up being usually completely different than mm. what came in. And I'm curious if you do anything like that when, when writing music or do you just start fresh and go well i kind of like there's just so much music i like basically my entire life is listening to music that i like so i never i'd never have a moment where i'm like about to work on something that i immediately reference something just yeah. because that shit is always in my brain but the way that i do things if is if there is like a lyric or literally like a sonic idea. Like I'll be listening to a song and become like obsessed with like, Oh, this simple drum pattern, but it's like twice as fast as I normally hear it mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. one song. I'll be like, I love that idea. And I'll literally write just that down. I'll be like fast drum part. That's like, like sounds like it's in 180 BPM or something like that. That's yeah, yeah. very four, four. I'll be like, that's a cool concept. And then I'll like, let it sit there. So usually if I'm like starting dry on a project, like a, if I'm writing a song for me and it's completely dry, I'll just sort of like flip through the notes I have on my phone about different sonic ideas and pick one that really intrigues me. But for something like cool. my own Baths record, I have very specific sonic ideas that are like amalgamations of things. Like I have, like I said, I wasn't focusing on a broad concept for what I'm working on because it's too much to think about. But I do have like a sonic concept i have like a sound in mind and a lot of ideas within that sound so like for example one of the the ghost rules i have for the next record is as much live instrumentation as possible because i the last thing mm, i did cool. i had a lot of synths so i i have a bunch of drum samples from uh, a good friend and a super talented musician casey Dietz, who's a drummer i have a bunch of samples of him playing parts but then also isolated drum samples and i just sort of like have different ideas of what I want a drum part to sound like. So I have like a bunch of very embarrassing voice notes of me like 
like talk singing a drum beat into my phone. And then immediately between the different sections of the drumming that I'm doing with my mouth, I'll be like, okay, and then maybe the melody can like start really low and then jump high and low and go like, and like, like crazy stuff. So it sounds like a crazy person talking to their phone, but I can take that voice note and it's enough of a skeletal structure for what I want to attempt that that's usually where I'll start. I'll like flip through my, my phone notes or my voice notes on my phone about ideas I want to attempt and then I will start working from there and then it comes out how like same as you like whatever I think I'm gonna get out of it when it actually comes back to me and I've like been working on it for long enough I'm like what like it's not even close to where I started <laughs> but it's it's always good for me to have like a, a structure like that to start with um and cool. that's that's yeah, very that much the bath material like for when I'm doing something like geotic which is very typically ambient I try to do nothing like that. I try to just mess around until something hits me and then I start recording that. You know what I mean? Very mm -hmm. it's fun to play play with the way I start making a song. Yeah. I do the know? same thing. Is 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 it, yeah. it, it it's different every time. That's the thrill of it, especially if you're working by yourself. That's so great. Gosh. That's oh, I could do just three more fucking hours on this. <laughs> like I'm so fascinated by like music production stuff because it's so outside of my realm of knowledge. And actually, Will very kindly came over and taught me how to use uh, Ableton, which I've oh, tried nice. making yeah. little beats. In. Uh, she yeah, was doing really rad really stuff really already. Experience. All the shit that you already showed me that you're doing, I was like, you are doing it. You're having fun. Oh the whole God. thing is like Thank making you. music is not a tough thing, even like. I have no idea or understanding of your own musical proficiency, Layton. I'm talking very generally with people that sure, you don't need to have like a musical proficiency to attempt making music. The whole thing is it's like like any art form, you have to come at it from fun, which is a weird thing to tell people, especially when it's serious art. But it's like the more fun you have with it and the more you make it a thing that you enjoy the easier it becomes to channel things that are yes. real to you and real emotions and stuff. So it's like anytime somebody's trying to start making music and they're like, listen, I'm like, I'm a deeply emotional person and I have all these things to say. And I'm like, that's great. And you will get there, but you have to make like a fun habit out of the art form. You have to do like goofy, bad, dumb shit for a long time and make horrible music that is fun for you for as long as you can. And then you'll start like stuff will just happen. Yeah. The I, art I feel... will just appear. Like with with my own music, I often feel like I'm not a great musician. I just have good taste. You know mm. what I mean? Like, can't tell you how much I feel that. I like, love that. I can, I can play. <laughs> you know, I can play a few instruments. I'm not mm. amazing at any of them. Uh, mm. Like I'm good at piano, but I'm not like a classical amazing pianist or anything. But mm. I know it sounds good, and I have a pretty good sense of when something is appealing. And mm. I honestly think for most of the kinds of music that is being made now, that's more than enough. Like that, that, that'll yeah. get you there. You know, obviously if you're trying to play some super complicated classical piece or whatever, then mm -hmm. chops are nearly all of it. But I think for yeah. writing at least pop type music or yeah. any, you know, anything that's not something very, very technical, like just start doing shit. And then when you're like, yeah, that's cool. Then, exactly, exactly. And actually, the other thing for me is, I should say, I also feel like my other strength is anything I'm writing, I'm almost always excited about it while I'm writing it. And I'm sure you, totally. you know this, this thing too, Will. 
uh, and then you come back to it and you're like, Oh God, what was that? What, what, yeah. I, you know, that was, I loved that yesterday. And now I just, yeah. no, absolutely not. And then you just move I'm on a, to something else. Yeah. I'm a firm, I'm a firm. I've ha- I did like, this is fun. Uh, at one point I got to do a production workshop, uh, in New York. It was literally like a gig I had, which was Cool. insane to me that I was like at a tier where people considered that viable and so I had way too much fun with it I had like six pages of notes I talked way too fast I was like all about <laughs> it but one of the big like uh driving points about what I was talking about wait what did you just say because I had it on the tip of my tongue what did you just mention Brian me yes oh the the writing something and being really into it and then coming back to it and then being that's like, what it was oh. Yes, I am a firm believer in like being able to not only completely distance yourself from what you're working on, like taking huge breaks, but also if you are not passionate about a thing, just getting rid of it and just being like, hey, I don't feel the way I thought I would feel about this and I can't waste time feeling bad about that. I just have to put it away and start doing something else. Like, It's the thing. And I can't even tell you how many things i've put away like i write it i come back to it a couple days later and i'm like nope i come back to it a couple years later and i'm like yes that yeah and you're like whoa that's sick and then you can hear also what it is you like about it and get rid of the things you don't like you just have different ears for it that's right it's like your ears will change all the time and you can never like trust them 100 percent. so you have to give them room to breathe yeah absolutely yeah, it's it's uh, it's the same for we're like, like doing this whole sorry. digression now at the end of their show, but like <laughs> for me, whatever. I That's am, what everyone says. They're like, we like, love the digressions, but you know, like I am all about. There's some sonic, you know, whatever you sit down to listen to a piece of music, you bring some sonic context to it. Um, totally, me, totally. You know, I'm sure you've had this thing where, like, you you can hear like the melody of something, you know, that's sort of far away but your mm. ear is set to a different key and you're like, that sounds terrible. Cause it's like <laughs> different than the key you're kind of thinking in at the moment. And then yeah. you readjust and you're like, Oh, okay. Now I'm there. So a less extreme version of that, at least for me is whenever I sit down to listen to a piece of music, either something I write or something someone else writes, you bring a lot of baggage from what you were just hearing, whether it's music or just ambient sound or whatever. And mm. you need to, understand that is part of the listening experience and that can really affect uh how you hear something totally 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 i feel like also it speaks to like the most inspiring shit in my life is hearing music that i can't find context for like that i don't think there's anything that thrills me more than that is like hearing something that i'm just like what the fuck is this like that makes me crazy because it resets everything. It resets like my entire yeah. understanding of music. And like, it's rare. It's happened like two or three times in my life where I was just like, this is absolutely square one for me. I have no understanding of what this is and I love it. So I don't know. Yep. Could you, totally. uh, sorry, I'm now I'm very curious about this. Cause I can't, I'm not sure if I relate to that or quite clock what you're saying. Um, I mean like the artist I can point to for me recently was Mikachu, like Mikachu and the shapes. She did, were, yes, yeah, she did the score her. for like Under the Skin, but her work as like a band unit when she makes her own records and stuff. Uh, the album Never, the first time I heard it, I was just like, I don't have context for this. I have no idea where to place it. Like it's rock music, but mm. it's totally not. It's like totally 
overly produced in this very, very weird electronic way, but it's not electronic music. It's real instruments. Her voice is fucking crazy. Like, everything about it, I was just like, I don't know what this is. And I became obsessed with not trying to figure it out, but just absorb it. Just, like, be like, I need to internalize this thing that I just don't understand. And so anytime that happens to me, I have, like, a full freakout. The first time for me, which I've probably talked about in a trillion interviews, was Bjork. The very first time I heard Bjork after being, like, obsessed with new yep. metal for, like, four years when I was a teenager. <laughs> and then, like, I heard one song from Homogenic and saw a music video, and I was, like, standing up in my living room, like, alone, like, looking around, like... <sighs> What? Like, what's happening to me? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> what is this? Like, having a full panic attack. So, I don't know. It's happened rarely in my life, but it's always an absolute thrill. And that's like the... Somebody somebody used the expression earlier today. I don't know. Whatever. It's like my chimera. It's like the, the holy grail for me. I'm always looking for just Ooh, shit yeah. that I completely do not understand. Same with movies. Same with video There's... games. All of it. It's like, it's the thing that I'm always looking for. Yeah, you you recommended one to me that I had like a diet version of that with, which was Pharmacon. Oh, like I yeah, got yeah. so into for um, live like, shows. Live. That was that was <sighs> that experience for me. I had never seen a live show like it. Yeah, and I I can definitely see like the influence on your own live shows, which are like so unique and have such a wonderful energy to Thank them. You. Anyway, if you're if you're ever around when there's a Baths concert, you should hey. go because Will is a fucking amazing performer. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, if you if you want to get into Pharmacon, my favorite song of hers is I think it's called "Nakedness of Need." It's just like horny screaming. Um, so, <laughs> ugh, so good. Her, her. Um, I want to. I know we have like a million things that we're talking about. I'll do like a quick recap of like seeing her live. We were playing a a, a music festival in Spain called Mira M I R A, and Morgan and I were just exploring, hanging out, and there was this cool girl backstage in like a leather jacket who who like her outward appearance it was important because it just didn't give off anything she was so unpretentious in the best way possible like didn't feel like a rock star or a super artist she was somebody that very much blended kind of into the scene of what was happening backstage or around the festival you know it was just kind of this thing mm -hmm. that like it's mm -hmm. important that i didn't notice her you know what i mean the very first time i saw her at the festival and then we were backstage hanging out, Morgan and I, and just this fucking sound ripped through the entire festival. It was like the most aggressive thing I had ever heard. Like Morgan and I stopped mid-conversation with somebody and looked at each other like, yo, what the fuck is this? We have to go look at it right now was That's like what, what we looked at each other like. And we ran out to the side stage and again, we're immediately like, oh my God, it's that fucking girl who was just like hanging out. And then... Like, it was just sound she was making. And then, like, five or six minutes into it, she suddenly picked up a microphone and just screamed at the top of her lungs and, like, never stopped for her entire set. And I was just like, this is, like, the most brutal thing I've ever seen. Like, I've never seen a punk... Also, she's so, like, ag aggressive and, like, confrontational. Like, oh, my God. Like, screaming. in people's faces. Like, and I was like, this is the single most punk thing I've ever seen. And, like punk bands and metal bands and everybody has their own aesthetics and vibes and whatever but i i've never felt like a punk energy like that where it was the most fuck you performance i've ever seen and that was like one show of hers you know what i mean she tours that i couldn't believe yeah, it definitely look her up on youtube because those videos are They're, absolutely yeah. fantastic she's just so cool. that reminds me of i think the single coolest musical thing i've ever seen uh 
I was in Tokyo and uh, I was there for Love it. for physics and I had like I was there for a, a week and week or two and I had a night off and I was like let me just go find some music thing and I saw a listing for something called three drum three piano and I was like fuck yeah why not Ooh. let me just I have no <laughs> idea what this is cool name let's go see it so I take the metro to Rapongi and it's in this club or, or it's, I don't even know, I w- you know, it wasn't a club. It was like a fifth sub-basement that you had to go Whoa. way the fuck down. All concrete, just like total concrete. That's and like classic Tokyo. <laughs> yes, it, it was literally like Blade 2. And, <laughs> so uh, sick. So I go down there, and it's like, it's this room, which is, has, it has a, uh, just a pile, an actual pile of instruments, including three drum kits and three different types of keyboards. And they're just strewn about the room. And Whoa. like, it's, it's pretty late at night. I forget exactly when it started, but the thing is going and it like, so we're, we're just waiting there. There's a, there's a group of people there. I, there were, uh, you know, people would just st- slowly start to fill in. And about an hour past the build start time, this very, very small Japanese woman walks out, like under five feet tall, sits down at a drum kit and just starts shredding. Like there's no announcement that the show is starting. The room's full (laughs) of people. And this woman sits down and just like, just goes insane. And it does this for generously 15 minutes extended drum solo nothing no context for it it's just going crazy another woman walks out starts playing a separate drum set just going ballistic as far as i can tell you know from all appearances they can't even hear each other like they're just doing their own thing and then a third woman that all you know (laughs) about the same stature as the other two walks out picks up an electric uh, electric guitar and starts doing like wildly distorted power chords on it. And then uh, in the middle of it, and that goes on for a while, sort of like these dissonant, you know, power chords, all these drums are just going fucking ballistic. These like building blocks. Yeah. Yeah. And then she starts singing, uh, loving you is easy because you're beautiful. in (laughs) a super high pitched, like loving you. Yeah. Like she's really getting up there. Uh, and then it just devolves into like free jazz crazy. So she does that whole song, uh, with the right chords on guitar. So she's not doing it totally dissonant. Uh, and then this just goes on into free jazz craziness for about an hour and a half. End of show. It was <laughs> awesome. That sounds so good. Yeah, it so was great. Wild. Like, it, it, like they weren't even acknowledging the audience. It it was amazing, and that type of show it just hits you like a brick wall where you're like, "What the fuck is this?" And then you have to like reevaluate everything. I love it. Yeah, because it was like you know, it's a foreign country. I've never been there before. It's in this very you know weird sub basement, uh, and it you know there like it it was just I and I had no idea what I was walking into. Like for all I knew, it was a pop show or something. Like just like the title and so rad. It was amazing. Yeah. That's so good. That's such like rarefied air. I love yeah. that. And th- this 
I, I like want to keep talking. I'm having such a good time, and I think this conversation is fascinating. But this episode is going to be like two and a half hours. It literally, long. I'm yeah, looking I have at the Skype call, thing, and it so. is. <laughs> it's two and a half hours. <laughs> Whatever you got, you guys cool. will now have eighteen hours, probably more than eighteen hours of content recommendations in this very long episode. Yeah. We're we're um, here for the quarantine. Um, we're here to help. We- yeah. Will, thank you so much for for doing this, especially taking all this time to to be on this thing. Of course, it was uh, a blast. Was I mean, serious. I I haven't seen you in like so long, so I it's know. really nice to just hang out. Yeah. I I just like I live for this kind of thing where I I can safely I I assume I can safely say this that you are both deep nerds and I myself oh, yes. am also one and I mean that in the best of ways that it's like you're people who are passionate about many things, and it is very, very easy to talk to people who are passionate about things. So I feel like I could yeah, do it forever. Hell yes. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, um, can you tell people Will, one more time, Will, where yeah. to find you? Sure. Um, my art, uh, My name is Will Wiesenfeld. My artist name when I make music is Baths or Geotic, B-A-T-H-S or G-E-O-T-I-C. And all of my socials, like uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, are all the same. And that is at B-A-T-H-S-M-U-S-I-C, Baths Music. And I am very much on Twitter. I'm medium on Instagram, <laughs> and I am barely on Facebook. You you have, like, maybe one of my favorite Twitters. Well, thank it, you very much. It's just, like, constant good content. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not all music. It's very rarely music, in fact. It's like awesome. it, I, that's why at the beginning of the episode I asked like what what's the hunk report? Yeah, like a lot of the big chested boys. Yeah, beefy anime boys, beefy video game boys. <laughs> usually how it goes. Um, okay, thank you so much, Will. This has been delightful. Of course, thank um, you all for listeners. Having me. Yeah, to listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, please take care of yourselves, and you know we'll be thinking of you, and just look out for each other. Um, it, we're gonna get through it. We're gonna be good. Um, don't don't like lose hope uh you know look at things from the peach perspective like i don't know i i think this is a really important time to i mean obviously now i've gotten serious but um i think it's a really important time to be grateful uh for things and like be mindful and take note of uh, what you have and appreciate the little moments yeah. and the little things in life. and if so you're doing looking out for the peaches if you're doing the right shit if you're following protocol for the quarantine then you don't have to like dwell on the deeper like discomfort of what's happening in the world. If you are doing your part, take comfort in that and then live your life while you are in quarantine. You know what I mean? Don't let the entire world bear down on you all the time. And stay in touch with people. I can't even tell you how many old friends I've reached out to this week just being like, hey, it's been a while. You guys doing okay? It has become like now part of my daily ritual to like find a friend that I haven't spoken to in a while and maybe FaceTime them. I, I had a friend of ours, mine and Rachel's in Minnesota. He tweeted today. He was like, I'm having trouble with, you know, math. And I called him. And I was like, because yeah, he Sweet. has a, a 14-year-old daughter. And I was like, let's talk math. Also, how's it going? You know, it's just like it's such <laughs> a good excuse to uh, uh, reconnect with, with old friends. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's one of the actually very big positives that I'm taking away from, from all this. Yeah. I love it. That's um, great. One last thing, maybe, maybe just popped up onto my chest and I'm going to see if, if we can get some old puppy ASMR. <laughs> maybe. Let's sniff at the mic. <laughs> okay. Uh, hopefully that picked up on my end, but she just started looking at, um, 
yeah. Th- thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, we love you. Be safe. This is the end of the podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Leighton Knight is produced by Brian Wecht and Leighton Gray. For more information, visit LeightonKnight.com. That's L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N-N-I-G-H-T dot com. Also, please follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Leighton Knight, and on Instagram, at Leighton underscore Knight.